where will Saquon Barkley go this evening now that he's signed with the New York Giants for this year? Who's going to be the first team to double tap quarterback tonight? And which one of these pros and Joes will get a 2024 FFPC main event entry. Follow along the live draft board. Watch our pick-by-pick analysis tonight as we call the action from the 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joes Camden Town League number three to see who's winning that main event squad going for a million dollars next year. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. Dave Tripoli is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour coverage of the high stakes of the uh, pros versus Joe's competition in the FFPC starts right now. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in, welcome in. Greetings to all of you, Ferreliacs and Balkaholics. It is the 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joe's Camden Draft, uh, Camden Town Draft, number three tonight. We'll be covering it for its entire duration. Shout out to the chat room right now. Post any questions you might have in there. I'm Eric Balkman. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman. Dave Terpoli is on Twitter at Dave Terp, and you can follow Farrell Elliott at the KFFSC, KFFSC.com. That's where to sign up for your leagues there. Facebook.com slash Hour is where you can contact us there and email the show, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, we'll get to all of them throughout the broadcast tonight. Um, once again, this is coverage of the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge. There's seven of these drafts. Six of them are live. Six industry pros versus six FFPC Joe's. All of them are battling for a 2024 FFPC main event entry, uh, a contest that will give out a $1 million grand prize next year. It's given out a $1 million grand prize this year. Not too late for you to sign up there at myffpc.com. And of course, the Fantasy Pros Championship also going on. We got drafts filling every single day there. $1 million grand prize there as well, just $350 to enter. Check out all the leagues we have for you at myffpc.com. want to welcome in uh, my first co-host tonight. You saw him last night. You follow him on Twitter at Dave Turp. You probably battled him in some uh, FFPC leagues already. Welcome in, Dave Terpoli. Dave, what's going on, man? Just another night, ready to go. Ready to go, indeed. High Stakes Fantasy Football are normally airs Fridays at 10, 9 Central. I'll tell you more about that as the broadcast goes on, but let's get in to who is drafting tonight from the one spot. It's the FFPC Joes. Uh, Chris Hart and Tobin Bialkini, they are commando fro. They're drafting one tonight. Josh Larkey and Ryan Reynolds from the 33rd team are in the two-hole. Josh and Laura Durham, the FFPC Joes, you've heard Josh on this show before. They're drafting in the three spots tonight. Sean Green and Ryan Kramer from Sports Gambling Podcast, the Sports Gambling Podcast. They're hitting cleanup tonight in uh, draft number three. Uh, Sean Stutzman and Nick Costantino, two of the three back-to-back winners in the FFPC main event the last couple of years. They're drafting fifth tonight, followed by another former guest of the show, Kevin Williamson. John Daigle from 4 for 4 is drafting in the eighth spot, followed by a guy who's been on this show, a guy who's won, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars playing high-stakes fantasy football, John Rozak. He is drafting ninth tonight. Howard Bender, the RotoBuzz guy from FantasyAlarm.com, is 10th. John Bragg, an FFPC Joe, in the 11th spot. And then Sean Siegel, 
Angel and Ben Gretsch from StealingBananasAndRotoViz.com. Stealing signals as well. They are hitting 12 tonight. That is what we're looking at. Terp, without further ado, let's get into the draft. I'm going to share the uh, the draft board here. We're already through the first round. We're looking at Travis Kelsey as the first overall pick to Hart and Bielkini, followed by Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson to Larky and uh, Reynolds, and then uh, Josh and Laura Durham take Justin Jefferson. Two consecutive nights. Jefferson goes at the 103. Christian McCaffrey to Kramer and Green at the 104, followed by Tyreek Hill to the uh, Go Bills franchise there, the Marv Levy franchise. That is Stutzman and Costantino. Bijan Robinson at the 106. Austin Eckler at the 107 tonight to Kevin Williamson. Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs to Daigle and Rozak, uh, respectively. Saquon Barkley went in the mid-third last night. He goes all the way up to Howard Bender's Fantasy Alarm squad at the 110, followed by CeeDee Lamb and Garrett Wilson. You're looking at uh, Lamb to John Bragg. And then Garrett Wilson to Siegel and Gretsch there. Uh, Terp, what do you make of Justin Jefferson? Is this just an anomaly that he goes at the 103 in back-to-back nights? Or are we going to see more drafts where Chase and Kelsey are going ahead of him? I think so. I don't think it's going to be something you're going to see too often. I mean, he's going to be one and two in mostly every draft. I can't see even having a case against him outside of, of Chase or Kelsey. So, I mean, it's possible, I guess you could say, but not likely. I mean, he's two in my book. He could easily be one. I could see if you're, you know, obviously with the t- tight end premium in the FFPC, moving him down a little bit with Kelsey if you just like Chase a little bit more. But anything past three, I think, would be crazy for Jefferson. Uh, you know what else is crazy? The fact that I forgot to tell you that Shane Hallam is drafting in the sixth spot tonight from draftcountdown.com, a guy I've had on countless shows. Shane P. Hallam on Twitter, drafting sixth behind. Uh, the FFPC back-to-back uh, main event winners uh, in uh, Stutzman and Costantino, and then Kevin Williamson. My apologies, Shane. It's, uh, it's I- I'm going to turn it over to somebody else who knows what's going on. The commissioner, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football right now, Jay Farrell Elliott. Welcome into the broadcast, man. Farrell, we're we're already through the first round here tonight. What a jump for Barkley, huh? Goes from the mid third <laughs> all the way up to one ten tonight, baby. Somebody started without us, and congratulations to Saquon. You know it. it Last night when we got off the show, I reviewed what his options are. And one of the were before signing it to his contract. And, yeah, he you needed to get out of that contract. I wonder if that contract's got some incentives in it like Austin Eckler's contract did earlier this summer when Austin extended. But, yeah, he's up in the draft now. I feel better about all New York Giants. I think Dave Turp does too. Um I, I was impressed with Dave Turp talking about Justin Jefferson, despite the fact, Turp, there's great conversation down here in Kentucky about what you said last night that you would take Wilson in front of Cousins, and then you backpedaled on the bet. I'm not, backpedaling. Forcing, I'm not forcing you into any wager, but there was there there's a, there's a lot of uh, – one guy said, shame, Turf isn't coming. I'd like to talk to him about that. So, you know, I do have your phone number. I'm going to ask permission. And some of the guys want to get you on the phone. Just a whole other thing. 5%. Yeah. Uh, I, it was 10% last night. Now it's down it to 5%. It 5% last night. It has okay. not changed. All right. Perfect. What is that 5%? What? That I'm coming. That he's coming. Oh, baby, let's put yeah. it up. You know what? I, I told you zero when I talked to you on the phone. Hey, <laughs> now we're moving in the right direction. And, you know, any of the guys that are drafting tonight that I haven't called and talked to, it's just because, you know, I'm so busy working on getting Turk back to 10% that I just don't have the time. But they're, they're welcome to. 
Um, I'll tell you what else. Uh, uh, two guys that are always welcome to join this broadcast. I want to put them on right now. Our first guest of the evening, two-thirds of the back-to-back FFPC main event champions. They won $500,000 in 2021. They won a million dollars in 2022. Please welcome into the broadcast. I'm going to try to get them both on right now. Sean Stutzman and Nick Costantino. Guys, welcome in. You're drafting from the five spot tonight. Uh, number What's one, up, Sean, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch this to you. Um, Tyree Kill was the first pick. When you knew that you were drafting fifth, had you already had Hill in mind at that spot? Uh, we did. I mean, it was it usually in that spot. It comes down to Cooper Hill there for us, and we had a draft the other night where we uh, we took Cooper Cup and figured it might be a good time to just switch it up a little bit. They're pretty similar in our eyes, so decided to go with Hill this time around. Nick, um, put together. Nick, you guys made your pick in, in the second round already, too. A guy that, that went a little bit later last night, but not too much later. You get Chris Olave here. You are one of four teams to start off receiver, receiver. Was the plan to go receiver, receiver here when you kind of made up your mind that you're probably going with Hill? Were you looking at a receiver there as well, Nick? I mean, yeah. We also wanted some of the running backs that went just before. So once once the running backs that we wanted went, we decided, let's get a share of Olave. We got Pollard in the draft that we did the other night. So we were between Pollard and Olave there. And we just figured that Olave, it's pretty close between those two. So we went with Olave this time. Sean, Sean, you guys have had a lot of success, obviously, in the FFPC main event. But that's a managed league where, where you have waivers, where you have lineups. How does your strategy change in pros versus Joes this year? Where this is 20 rounds, set it and forget it. No kickers and no defenses. When you and Nick talked over this, so how does your strategy change? Uh, we, we, you know, attack upside a little more aggressively. Um, we want it maybe a little more aggressive stacking our team rather than not worrying about it a little bit less in the managed leagues because you can kind of do some things with waivers later on in that format. Um, but um, generally just attacking, you know, what we view as upside, high upside uh, players is, is the general strategy. Guys, can we focus on your second round pick, Alave? Because I have a question. Sure. Not what you've done, but what you're going to do. Last year, we were all over this player. This was my favorite ready-made for the pros college receiver. Who is this year's Alave? Share some of that genius with us and tell us <laughs> who it is. Man. Uh, my favorite rookie receiver this in this year's class is Zay Flowers. Um, love the way he plays the game. Love the way he runs routes, speed. And he's going into an offense that fits his skill set perfectly. Um, and he's not, he doesn't have to be the focus of defenses. Um, I love what he brings to the table. I think he's ex- an extremely dangerous playmaker. And when he gets the ball in space, he can score from anywhere. So um, when you can get a player like that, especially at the price he's going at in FFPC drafts, it seems like a no brainer. That's what I said. I'm going to go buy a couple more FFPC teams now. That is motivational conversation for Mr. Thank you so much. So, so Nick, we're coming up on, on your pick here in the third round. Just out of curiosity, so Dom, I, I think, Sean, you told me that, that Dom had a family commitment tonight. He couldn't draft. Um, so you guys are handling this draft tonight. Nick, how many how many drafts have you guys already done this year? Not even, out, even outside of FFPC. I know you guys. Um, did you do the live Scott Fishbowl this year as well? Yeah, me and Sean each had an individual team at the Buffalo Live event. We had there was two divisions, and Sean was in the one division, and I was in the other. So, and Got we it. actually okay. were going battle, battle uh, to battle in that draft. So that was nice. And then, <laughs> How- uh, yeah, we we do a lot of like underdog stuff. And 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 I and I look at like okay, and PC. listen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm sorry to interrupt, Nick. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this right now because you're on deck here. 
So, Nick, let me throw this to you, number one. What's the conversation? I'm sure you and Sean are texting furiously back hold and on. forth here. Now that you're on Wait, the clock. On, Sean. This Who's is, the pick this here? Is, this is Gibbs right here, right? I mean, it's Gibbs or, Jake, Gibbs or Jacobs. Let's do Gibbs. All right. All right, there we go. I love it. Jameer Gibbs, the 305 pick tonight, the 11th running back off the board. Nick, why was why was why was it Gibbs over Jacobs for you here at the 305? I think it's a real possibility that we see Jacobs hold out. Like I'm not 100% certain he's going to be on the field week one, and I want the upside of Jameer Gibbs in the like in the third round right now. That that might not be a thing in a little while once people get you know a little more footage on just how explosive he is at receiving the ball. I think Sean, after Brees after Brees Hall goes, Gibbs is a really good pick. I think Jacobs is a really good pick too, but I think just a little bit more upside with Gibbs. Sean, best ball especially. Exactly, in best ball, yes. Sean, now that we have a little time to breathe here, um, back-to-back main event championships, most people dream of one and they never get it. You guys not only did it twice, you did it in back-to-back years. What's been the best part of being a back-to-back FFPC main event champion? Uh Having two helmet trophies behind him. Oh, <laughs> there it is. There and they then, are. Right I love there. that humble that, brag. <laughs> uh, that, that's probably the best part. Cool. No, um, being the only people that have that. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I just yeah, I mean, ha- building memories that I'll never that I'll have for the rest of my life. That I'll you know, being able to experience something like this is you know, no one else has done it. So. And, wow. and we're all really good friends, so to be able to share yeah. it with each other, it's just that's it's, it's, it's incredible. unbelievable, honestly. So, did the Buffalo media come out even more so this year, or are they tired of you guys? Are you guys overexposed uh, now? What's I, I think, I think we kind of cho- made the choice to stay a little more under wraps this year and try <laughs> to keep it a little more uh, quiet than we did last that's year. That's what so Jennifer much, Lawrence is press. doing down here in Louisville. You know, she's I, 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 that same strategy that you got. Our, our good friend Mike Shope is on the radio, so he he talks about us a good bit. So oh, we don't even have... really need to talk about it because he he's uh he loves he loves talking about it. Mike Shope, WG WGR five fifty deep end and uh go Bills Marv Levy hype man, apparently. Mike Shope. <laughs> that's, that's the new title. Um so Nick, let me ask you this. Um, the money is it gone? Is it all spent? What did what did you spend the money on so no, far? Because you're looking I'm at sure. 1.5 million over the last two years between the three of you. I think Sean and Dom have done a better job of spending their money than me. I, ah. I'm not really too expensive of a person. I, I just I'm living the same exact life as before, so no, nothing exciting for me. Uh, Sean, two part question here for you. Number one, how did you end up with both helmet trophies? And number two, what did you blow all the cash on? Well, here, here's the fun part. And this is, I, we're actually, I'm actually at Nick's right now. He's just in the other oh. room. So Nick <laughs> actually has both trophies. I got it. We do a lot of drafts. We do a lot of drafts at Nick's house. So we're going to leave them here for through draft season. And I'm going to take one during the football season to have within my house. And then I bought a car actually with my, I bought a new oh, that's CRP. Right. I needed, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Yeah. I needed, I needed a new car. My car was about 12 years old. So felt like it was, uh, it was about time to get that done. Um, Nick, uh, let me ask you this. This is a question coming in from Darren Armani, the godfather of the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge. John Daigle tonight is drafting from the eight spot, and he wants to know if you guys think that uh, he should have taken either uh, Josh Allen uh, there or Mark Andrews. Uh, no, he already took uh, he already took uh, Mark Andrews. Um, so he gets – Rozak gets the stack, the Buffalo stack, the, your beloved Bills. 
are right next to you now or, or a couple of picks down from you as Rosette gets Diggs and Allen. Where do you stand, yeah. Nick, on like stack blocking in a format like this? I mean, they each got their own stack, so they're they're both thinking like the right way. You want to think about your team more than the other team. So you're trying to build your team to be the top team in this in this league. There's only seven leagues, you know, the top the top one team gets the ticket, the free ticket next year. So there's no point in trying to foil stacks. You just got to be thinking about how you can build optimally. Otherwise, you're just wasting your entry, in my opinion. I think stacks and best ball are super important. And for the difference between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, I don't think it's enough to say what to go against your stack. You know, um, guys, listen, I, I know that we will see you again in the FFPC main event. I know no one else wants to see you in the FFPC <laughs> main event, or at least to be in your own league. And uh, uh, Sean, just just I know I asked you this last time on a scale of zero percent where there's no chance it happens and 100 percent where it is a God given destiny. What are the chances that Go Bills and Marv Levy three peats this year in the FFPC main event? Yeah, I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna say exactly what we always say. It's zero percent. Every year it's been a zero percent chance. It's, it was a zero percent chance we repeated. It was a zero percent chance we won the first time. So it's gonna be a zero percent chance it, we and no one's ever three peat before, so it's definitely a zero percent chance. Zero percent. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let you guys know right now, you three peat in this contest. Ain't nobody playing this contest in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> just for, for the love of God, like, I'll, we'll buy you dinner in Vegas. Yeah. We'll take you out for the drinks. Like, just don't win it this year. Second place is fine. You guys want to take second. That's cool. Just don't win it again. That, that's my humble request. Um, Dave the Dizzle Gerzat puts it at 50-50 for you guys to three-peat again. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys do very good in the pros versus Joe's draft tonight. Good luck in all your uh, – kidding aside, good luck in all your – uh, drafts this year, the FFPC main event, fantasy pros, pros versus Joes, everything you guys are doing. Thanks so much for carving out some time tonight and crush the rest of this draft. All right. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. You got it. See you guys. Absolutely. Sean Stutzman and knows. Nick Costantino uh, joining the program tonight. Two thirds of the uh, Go Bills Marv Levy franchise that has won the uh, FFPC uh, main event the last couple of years. Don Barani not with them tonight. However, he will be drafting with them again this year. So beware, beware of everything that's going on with the Go Bills franchise this year in the FFPC main event. Um, okay, second round, guys. Let's go through it here real quick. I, I'll just highlight a few of the picks. I don't want to go through the whole round here. Um, but you're looking at uh, Commando Fro getting a stack, not a stack, a start of Kelsey and Higgins with their first two picks here. Devontae Smith, Turk, goes off the board to uh, from your Eagles to Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean Green and Ryan Kramer there. We already talked about the Olave pick. Jonathan Taylor falls to the 206. Mark Andrews goes all the way up at the 205 tonight. Amon Ross St. Brown is once again sitting there at that one-two turn tonight. I, I keep waiting for him to fall, and I don't think it's going to happen here tonight. Farrell, I'll pitch this to you first. The Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown start here for Siegel and uh, Ben Gretsch. Again, a team that loves drafting wide receivers early. They do it early on here. What do you make of the Wilson St. Brown start? Well, you know, it's, yeah, it's the same copycat that we had last and it, last night. And, you, you know, you've seen everything about these players and what they contributed last year. And then both have better, slightly better situations this year. Plus, they've got more experience in the league. Uh, so mm -hmm. why not? The, these are your guys. And I, who comes after them? Uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, all these guys are falling in the same place. I think Waddle was a little higher. Those guys are, are fine players in and of their uh, selves. 
and they might outscore these two. But these two have a pretty ridiculously tall ceiling if everything hits right, which is what you want to do, I suppose, in this format. We had, we touched on this turf earlier when we, we had Sean and, and uh, Nick on, but you know this is back to back stacks here um, with with John Daigle getting Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson here in the second and third round, and then Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen to John Rozek in um, at the nine spot tonight. The FFPC Joe tra- taking him there. We've kind of danced around this, you know. Like I, I, there's two schools of thought. If you were drafting, and, and I know you've drafted in the FFPC best ball tournament, which is basically the same format as this, how important – well, it's not the exact same because this is a closed 12-team league, but how important would it be if you were drafting in pros versus Joes to try and make sure that you get an early stack like both Daigle and Rozek did here? Well, I think it's very important. I mean, quarterbacks are getting pushed up you know, in this format where there's only one winner. Um, team four gets Hurts and Devonta Smith, and you have Jackson and Andrews and then Allen and Diggs. To me, it just gives you such an advantage in this format because, I mean, if these guys hit, I mean, you're getting double the points every single time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they can add on to their stacks later on, like he just did with Dallas Goddard. Um, there's really no negative to say about it whatsoever. Taking a guy like Joe Burrow by himself without uh, Higgins or Chase, to me, it just sets you so far behind. Maybe in a single league, you can get away with it, but – there's just going to be so many, like in best ball tournaments, even you know fantasy pros or the main event. There's just going to be so many Burrow Chase, Burrow Higgins teams, one or the other, maybe both. That if you're trying to win a shootout and trying to win a million dollars, you're just going to be so far behind. I, I'm wondering. I, I, I was going to ask Farrell this, but Turp, maybe I'm going to ask you instead. Tony Pollard's ADP in the FFPC best ball tournament is at 207. He goes at the 210 tonight. This is something that you've been talking about for years. I'm going to try not to mention the 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 double E word here, the double E guy um, that we don't like talking about, especially this early in the draft. But Tony Pollard at the 210 tonight, just anywhere in the second round, really, is he going to return massive value for whoever takes him in the second round? You talked about ETN doing that for anybody who took him in the third round last year. Is Pollard that guy for you in the second round this year? 100%. I'm surprised he fell as far as he did. I mean, even if they add somebody, if they bring back Elliott, if they bring one of these other guys in, outside of Leonard Fournette, which would bother me just a little bit, I mean, Pollard, to me, it has running back one overall upside. I've said it a bunch of times, and I'll continue to say it. I really feel like he could be the running back one this year. Mm-hmm. I haven't I ranked as the running back two, um, so you see how high I am on him. Mm. To me, falling this late in the second round, pairing him with Jefferson, who realistically shouldn't be there in most – Drafts is a gift that I'm sure Team Three would be loving in a in a fantasy pros draft or definitely a main event because you'd be way different. Farrell tonight, Shane Hallam at the sixth spot started off his draft with Bijan Robinson and Jalen Waddle, and after two tight ends were off the board, he decides to go T.J. Hawkinson in the third round. The question for you here is: If you were drafting in this format, how important is it uh, to get a tight end if you're drafting in the middle like this, where you're kind of at the whims? of whatever the ends are doing as far as tight ends go, how important is it to get an elite tight end in the third round? And would it be Hawkinson for you? Yeah, here it would. It, it, it would be important. I had to look at who else is on the board. I see a lot of good names. I don't know if I would pull the trigger on that. Uh, it would have to do with what you guys have been talking about tonight with the guest and amongst each other is, is the stacks. And so if I thought that, uh, if I thought that my tight end was going to stack up with what I was doing well, I, um, I, I've got a, a question um, uh, for Terp. Uh, 
So where do you go? How high would you draft Pollard? I'm talking main event, not in this format. But how high would you draft Pollard? I have no problem taking him at the turn. Okay. Mm. One, two, so turn. You, if you're down here where all these receivers are going in this format, you you would have Pollard in there. as. Okay. I would love to have Tony Pollard in a hero RB build. Okay. And what – do you Solid have an player. idea of the numbers that you expect from him? Just yards, catches, touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to be well past what he did last year. Okay. And I have him ranked ahead of Christian McCaffrey, which most people are going to think is crazy. It's um, not crazy, but it's crazy. Double-digit touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, everybody, every bold statement can't work out, but – yeah, but can you give me just some numbers on that? Because that would help me understand if I understand the player like you. Yards, I mean, touchdowns. I, I would say a thousand yards rushing easily. Oh, we got to have more. Uh, he's definitely going to probably get to the twelve hundred range, but he's going to catch fifty to sixty passes. Okay. Um, twelve, thirteen touchdowns. Fair that number, I guess, at the top of my head without having anything right in front of me. And a couple. Well, that's the, the top of your head is what I'm always looking at. Turf. I have a big head with a lot of hair in there, so sometimes numbers. it's hard to remember everything. And, yeah, and he can do that. He can he can do that. I just – and, okay, very good. Well, you know, I guess I like him there too. I like him better than Chubb. I like him better than Taylor that we had news today on Taylor. You know, of course – you know, I don't I think understand Taylor's going to plummet in drafts coming up. I don't understand why Henry goes so late, but that's, you know, we talked about that last night. Okay, thank you, Terp. I appreciate that. One of the things that we don't highlight enough on this show is longtime listener who has not chimed in on the HSFF hour in several years, but apparently he's still communicating with Darren Armani, which I don't understand. But <laughs> our, our old buddy Javier from Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, sets the odds on, on the pros versus Joes each and every year. And we have never gotten a live odds update before, but we're getting one tonight here, guys. Javier from Terre Haute uh, just moved the line on the Sports Gambling Podcast guys, Sean Green and Ryan Kramer, who are drafting from the four spot tonight. They went from 14 to 1 with to, to 10 to 1. So make sure if, if you're betting that tonight, uh, you're not going to get Mark as good out. odds as you did Eagles before. Because is always gonna look at the lines. Eagles. Terp, Terp, they are flying from the four I'm spot not. tonight. I'm all De- aboard. Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard. You love the stack, but you're a little bit biased because you're an Eagles fan. 1,000% biased and <laughs> love the stack and keep drafting. And you deserve it, Terp. You deserve, hey. you deserve to be that. And we talked about these tight ends of who was going – Last night we talked about the upside for Goddard and how he could have that Hawkinson-like breakout. And and here these drafters are are, are following us to a T there. And, and we always talk about Kittle as being a great football player, but will he be a great pass receiver based on all the things the 49ers ask him to do? And that's reflected um, where where he is uh, later. I've, I've yet to ever see Kittle in an FFPC format go this late. Yeah, it's, it's it's wild. I mean, we, we look at George Kittle's ADP, and again, we'll shout out Darren Armani at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, FantasyMojo.com. The godfather of the PVJ, he puts this together every year. If you are playing in the FFPC, I highly encourage you to check out FantasyMojo.com. A lot of great details on there for your drafts, and anytime we cite ADP, it's always at FantasyMojo.com. George Kittle is tight end four over the last week. I think it's last week on the FFPC Best Ball Tournament, going at 4.07 on average. Tonight, George Kittle falls to the 5.06. Shane Helm, 
just simply couldn't pass him up there. I already had a tight end on his roster and TJ Hawkinson, but when Kittle presents himself in the fifth round, he took it. You got to take advantage. That's what he did there. Guys, right now on the clock is the Stealing Bananas franchise. That's Sean Siegel from Rotoviz, Ben Gretsch from Stealing Signals. They are on the clock right now. They've started off their draft with four straight receivers here. John Terry and Dave Gerzak are going back in the YouTube chat right now. And, and Terry said, look, to, to start off your draft with four straight receivers, number one, it, it takes some real chutzpah. And number two, it's really tough to do on the ends because you're at the mercy of what everybody else does, you know, the other 11 teams until it comes back to you. Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel. That's the start there. We talked about it a little bit earlier. But now when you add Allen and Samuel on turf, this has the makings of a really dominant team as far as the receivers go. And we've seen that they can still piece it together at the other three positions to make this a very competitive team. Those guys are staying on brand. I mean, there's plenty of guys here that one of them they just took in J.K. Dobbins. It made a ton of sense with this team. Another one probably should be Cam Akers falling right behind. It would make this team probably the favorite right now through six rounds, mm. right up there with team five, in my opinion. Um it's dangerous going for receivers early. I mean, best ball, you can get away with it more than a managed league just because, I mean, like you said, value falls and you can't touch it most of the time because you're trying to fill out your lineup and, and not overdo it at a position. But so far, I'm a big fan of what they've done. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, the only reason he's fallen this far is because, you know, he's, he's a little banged up, I guess you could say, to start camp. And everybody, you know, any, anytime anybody sees the pup word, they freak out, especially in these drafts. Good time to draft because, I mean, Saquon Barkley, that discount closed crazily. I mean, mm-hmm. third round last night to first round tonight. And I don't I don't think he's going to be much of a discount anymore. He's going to be right at that one-two turn, maybe a little bit later. But For Barkley, you're saying? Barkley, yeah. yeah. I, I think he's going to stay right around that range just because Justin Fields, solid pick right there. He's getting pretty much the last of the – the top tier quarterbacks, you know, with the Burrows, the Jacksons, the Herberts, that's not one of the top three. So it makes a ton of sense. Well done by Team 12 so far. Yeah, Team 12 and, and Scott Hoyt chiming in. He's not sure he trusts Keenan Allen's and Debo's help season long. But again, if they whiff on this, Farrell, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if, if I don't get first, I don't care if I take 12 because second place doesn't get anything. And that's sort of the mentality you have to have in this draft. Fair enough, and I agree with that. Keenan Allen, I'm this second night in a row we've seen him in this spot. I, it, there's just so many receivers that go after him in the fourth round that I would rather see on the team for that very reason. I'm going to take mm-hmm. a shot at. I'm going to take a shot uh, at, at the fact that those ascending players have better years than Allen and have more availability. The only the only way I'm taking a shot on Keenan Allen, I agree with you, is if I'm trying to build a Herbert stack later. Yeah, that's that, that the only negative about Herbert this year is who you going to pair him with. Well, you There's think so Keenan, Keenan Allen for you is your new Ezekiel Elliott, and that's fair. I know you're. He's, nah, I mean, he's warming I, up. I've drafted Ezekiel Keenan Allen. Allen. I don't have a ton and of him. But. You know, you said something very, uh, very impressive there, Terp, on the uh, on on Barclay. Now, without going down the rabbit hole of, of the business side of contractual football. And these individual players, when we had two guys, two high-profile guys um, uh, like Jacobs and Barkley, I was curious of which one would blink first and sign first. I kind of thought it was Jacobs, and now that so did I. now that Barkley has signed his deal, uh, the Jacobs camp has a little easier decision to make, and they don't have to hurdle 
too much numbers to get there. And just when you start looking at the alternatives of what you're going to do contractually, um, if you set out and you, you can set out to mid-November and come back and play, but it's not going to work right. I, I don't believe Jacob should have this discount. And so we're talking about these guys making real um, ballsy picks and, and doing doing things here that uh, could deliver them into first place. I would, I'll be glad when we do the show and somebody has moved up Jacobs before the contract, but that he would be, should be He should be going higher. He should never make it to the fourth round. Because he's no, not, he has no leverage anymore. Barkley ruined his leverage. Well, he had no leverage even when he had Barkley, but he the only he, shot they had is some sort of like, you know, like they no, it was just calls. it was just pretend. It was like which one is going to what, you know which first. one is Once going Barkley to carry blank, the cross he's, he's the high profile guy. Jacobs is on a bad team with no leverage at all. You think the Raiders are a bad team, Trevor? Now that's a Very whole other conversation. Bucky, can we have an after broadcast and talk about the, <laughs> the HSFFL or after hours? Yeah, yeah do wow. we have an after? Or, yeah. You know, well, I'll pour the martinis. Um, let's get uh, like a question from the uh, YouTube chat right now. Uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak has a question for you, Farrell. He wants to know, how does it benefit Saquon Barkley to sign the one-year deal that he did, $11 million up to $2 million incentives, versus signing the franchise tag? He can't, um, he can't suffer a penalty. By setting out, he could have suffered a penalty of dealing with it last year. He gets... Dave, honestly, he went home and thought about it and his agent thought about it and they talked about it and they put the best deal that they could together. They probably took a look at Austin Eckler's contract and they came back to work. And that's just the honest. And and that's what it is. Um, But the franchise tag, that's guaranteed money, right? It is. It is. It's a 10.1 this year, I think. That's correct. Yeah. So he got a little bit more plus the incentives, right? So that's the advantage. And he cannot now he can he be tagged again by the Giants in 2024? Yes. Oof. Wow. Man, running backs, it's I, listen, I it's know they true. got it rough. Well, I, here's the thing, and I said this earlier today, like these guys are still making a ton more money than I'll ever see um for an annual salary in my life. So it's tough for me to for my heart to go out to them. But I do understand the plight they're in, and I don't have a good situation or a good solution for for how they get out of it. Here, here's here's what'll make you understand that why Jacobs could be just a little bit of uh, give everyone a little bit of side eye. Hunter Renfro will make three million more dollars more than he will this year. That's crazy if you really think about it. You know, and so I and when this system was designed, uh, the tag was supposed to be. As a somewhat of a reward. It actually had, you know, they're, 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 as Dizzle points out, there are very positive aspects of it. Getting tagged was not necessarily the worst thing that could happen. Now at the running back position, it certainly is. Let's uh, get to another guest here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you are going to be looking, or we're going to be talking with one half of the squad that is drafting in the four spot tonight, along with Ryan Kramer. Uh, the, he makes up uh, the the Sports Gambling Podcast, which you follow on Twitter, at Gambling Podcast. You follow him on Twitter, at Sean T. Green. That's S-E-A-N-T-G-R-E-E-N. What is up, Sean? How's the draft going for you tonight, man? Going great. Uh, I I decided to rock my Devonta Smith jersey, being optimistic. Beautiful. And then, uh, Absolutely and then he beautiful. fell right into our lap. So, <laughs> And my co-host, Ryan's a Giants fan, so I've been – you know, Ooh. twisted his arm to draft the Eagles. I, it kind of just worked out for us. I mean, once we had Devonta Smith, 
then Jalen Hurts is still available. And then, you know, FFPC, you get the one and a half point per reception for the Dallas Goddard. We were going to try and go Darren Waller and, and load up like two higher, uh, higher profile tight ends there back to back rounds, but he got snaked right before us. So uh, Kramer's pretty upset. <laughs> I could imagine he is. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I, I look at this start for you and, and we, we talked with uh, Stutzman and Costatino about this. It, I mean, close 12 team league. You went with a mega stack here with Smith Hertz and Goddard. Did you and Ryan talk about the possibility of doing that? Not necessarily with the Eagles prior to the draft, but with anybody prior to the draft. Uh, yeah, we talked a little bit of, of of stacking in general, and our overall view was like, "Hey, we're pro stacking, but we're not gonna we're not gonna reach. We're gonna do something crazy to get the stack." You know, again, like Devonta Smith, uh, you know, being right there, and then Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts has a ton of value, obviously, just in and of his own right. Um, and then the Goddard thing, you know, obviously, you want to get a little. Uh, I, I think you need to get like at least one premium tight end in this format. So no, we didn't come in here saying like, Hey, we're going to, you know, load up on Eagles or load up on a mega stack. Um, you know, cause in this, you're only playing against 11 other teams. Whereas if you're doing, you know, the actual, like some of these mega mega tournaments where you have to create crazy outliers, uh, then maybe even stacking's worth a little bit more, but it, it just kind of worked out like that. So Sean, you were just on the clock. <clears throat> Excuse yes. me, you're just on the clock here. You and Ryan ended up going with your number three receiver in Mike Evans. Can you tell us a little bit about your expectations for him this year? This is as late as he's gone in several years, probably because of the quarterback play. You get him tonight at the 704, 34th receiver off the board. What are your expectations for him in Tampa in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I I think Mike Evans is still going to have a good year. I, I know. You know, Baker Mayfield or maybe Kyle Trask is is a drop off from Tom Brady. But I think they they did some stuff to improve the offensive line. I think that could help. And I think a guy like Baker Mayfield can create plays off script and maybe create some opportunities. And Mike Evans, I mean, you look at his just pull up his stat line. It's like a thousand yard season, a thousand yard season, a thousand yard season. Everyone who does projections, I mean, the sports books are hanging his over under at like 900 something of receiving yards. So I think to get a guy with that kind of potential, especially in a full point PPR, I, I'll happily take him uh, kind of this late in the process here. I think he's, I mean, if you're, if you're Baker Mayfield, he's your most reliable target, him and Chris Godwin. So I, I think he's going to get a ton of volume and, and I don't think the bucks are quite as bad as everyone is suggesting. Uh, I, I think the NFC South is kind of wide open. So yeah, I like Mike Evans here. Sean uh, Green, one half of the Sports Gambling Podcast, joining us tonight. The pros drafting out of the four spot. He and Ryan Kramer here. Follow Sean on Twitter. Sean T. Green, Sports Gambling Podcast on Twitter, at Gambling Podcast. Hey, I got to look at this team here, and you took Dallas Goddard at the 409, and we kind of touched on this already. Had you not had Jalen Hurts on your squad, would you have been more likely to take a guy like Waller, Pitts, or maybe even Kittle at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, behind the scenes, we were debating because, again, uh, you know, Kramer and I, we actually have a a, a bet going. Who's going to have more fantasy points, Darren Waller or uh, Dallas Goddard as a side bet? Whoever loses has to shave their beard off into a mustache <laughs> and wear it for. So, like, let's say Dallas Goddard wins by 15 points. You have to wear the mustache for 15 days. So we've internally been having this debate, Goddard or Waller. Kramer was fine taking Goddard first. We thought we'd be able to get Waller to come back to us. 
uh, and then kind of got sniped there. Uh, not a big believer in Kyle Pitts, uh, at least me personally. I just – I know the advanced metrics. I know he's a good talent. But that Arthur Smith passing offense, I'm still just super, super skeptical about. Um, and Desmond Ritter, I – you know, everyone's take, I think, for um, for Kyle Pitts is like, oh, man, you know, he was open, you know, routes run, air yards, all that stuff. All that stuff's good, but it's all, like, based on the idea of, oh, Desmond Ritter, he has to be better uh, than Marcus Mariota. I don't know if that's completely true. You know, I feel like people talk themselves into that same formula last year where it's like, oh, Marcus Mariota. I mean, Matt Ryan was completely washed up. Kyle Pitts is going to have an awesome year this year. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just not a – Kyle Pitts believer overall. I know there's a lot of support for him in the, in the fantasy community, but uh, again, I'm not, I'm not drafting him that high. Uh, Sean, uh, another question here for you. Damian Pierce was your selection at the 609. He is the 24th running back chosen tonight. Second guy that you chose for your backfield tonight, at least your running, uh, running back backfield. Um, your thoughts on how Devin Singletary is going to affect his output this season. You know, I, I, I think it's certainly possible, and Damian Pierce, obviously not a massive pass-catching role, but, again, they have a rookie They have a rookie quarterback. How do you make a rookie quarterback's job easier? You give him a, a – you hand him the ball a ton of times. I mean, Damian Pierce is a guy, for me, passes the eye test, runs super hard. Uh, you got Bobby Slowick uh, from the uh, San Francisco 49ers coming over, going to run some sort of Shanahan-esque scheme, you would imagine, which is very uh, – often very beneficial for the running back. So I could see him having a massive year. And he's another guy you look at, um, I mean, running back 24, you look at like his over under for uh, rushing yards and stuff like that. I think Damian Pierce is in line to have a pretty good year. And especially in that AFC South, I think uh, he's going to have some opportunities. He's going to have a lot of opportunities. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to listen to the sports gambling podcast. Great transition. Yeah. Thank you very much. Whenever, (laughs) wherever, He's a broadcast professional, sir. That's bro, bro, I can tell. Before Wherever. we let our guests go, can I go ask him a question? Go ahead, Farrell. Uh, my question is very quickly. Uh, over under on receptions, who is the bigger number? Is it Evans or Pittman? Ooh. Uh, Maybe I'll you go. can put it in the chat. <laughs> I don't want to hold you up. Oh, no. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go Mike Evans. Yeah, give me Mike Evans. Okay, you know he's the Vegas number over Pittman. I, I don't know. Oh, oh, you were asking like what? Yes. Uh, what, what's, what do the guys in the desert say about who's going to? Oh, catch you me? know what? Yeah, I'll have to look that up real quick. I'll, Thank you, I'll, sir. I'll put it in the chat because I don't know. Thank the you, top sir. Of my head. But I, I bet it's going to be. I, I bet. I, I would even say Evans is probably projected slightly higher. Um, but yeah, I'll get, I'll get back to you that and drop it in the chat. Thank um, you. SportsGamblingPodcast.com is where to go. The Sports Gambling Podcast, you can get anywhere you get podcasts. Follow Sean on Twitter, Sean T. Green, S-E-A-N-T Green, and then gambling at Gambling Podcast on Twitter or on X. I don't know what to call it anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have no exactly. idea. Sean, right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Dude, good luck in the main yes. events this year and in PBJ, dude. All right. Let's let's let it ride. Let, let it ride indeed. Sports Gambling Podcast on Sean Green tonight joining us. On the broadcast, really like uh, what he had to say. I want to – I put this up in the chat real quick, Farrell, here. This is our good buddy Scott Hoyt um, who posted it. He That's a two-part question. He wants to know when do you think uh, Kamara's suspension is going to be determined? And two, why is Michael Pittman falling the last couple of nights? Farrell, I, I don't think you have a good answer for that, right? Uh, I just would love it if I was drafting. So that's that's good enough for me. And I um, 
uh, Kamara, it is hard to tell. And um, there's a lot of things that go into that. Who has the ear of the final decision maker and the commissioner and the office in New York. And sometimes the owners make a big difference and you know, it's, we'll, we'll just have to see, but um, yeah, predicting that you know, that's, that's goes back to the people that know aren't talking. The people that are talking don't know. So I, I'm going to quit talking on, on that one, but uh, yeah, I love Pittman uh, as a draft pick. I think he should be a fifth rounder in this format. And if you can get him in the seventh round, that's a big, big, big situation for you. Terp, um, one of the chat uh, posts in the chat, and I'm trying to find it here. Uh, yeah, John Terry, actually, who drafted on Sunday night, said that he likes every pick so far for Shane Hallam from DraftCountdown.com, drafting at the sixth spot tonight. And I talked about uh, how he ended up – he already had a tight end in TJ Hawkinson. But when Kittle falls almost a full round of value, again, when you're trying to beat out just 11 teams for this free FFPC main event entry next year, he, he, he jumped on it, and he gets Kittle as well. What do you make of, of uh, Shane Hallam's draft from the sixth spot? Do you like it as much as John Terry does, Terp? So far, so good. I mean, I mean, Bijan, Waddle, Hawkinson, real solid start. We talked about the Burrow pick. Not really a fan of it just because of the stacking options that you're limited with um but you could get away with this in, in this format um obviously only have to beat 11 other teams i like the marquise brown pick i think he's underrated this year he's gonna get a ton of targets if he if he stays healthy no matter who the quarterback is there kittle is just an outstanding value um you will not see him fall to the fifth middle of fifth round in any format right now i mean it, it's it's crazy value and especially with the ffpc premium i mean this gift right there, getting him. Javante Williams, we've talked about a bunch of times. I know he didn't call him up, and, and I know they're saying he's going to you know, be back out there quickly, but I still have my doubts, and I still can't see investing a seventh-round pick on a guy that had an awful, awful knee injury. And, yeah, you know, younger, you know, talented kids, you know, obviously, you know, heal quicker, but I'm passing on Javante Williams. He just took George Pickens. I like that pick. I think, you know, he has plenty of potential in that offense. I think Kenny Pickett takes the next step this year. So I'd say solid eight, eight, eight out of 10 draft so far. The Burrow pick, love Burrow. You know, he could easily lead the league in touchdowns this year, lead, lead the league in yards. Um, that's all within the realm of possibilities. But the Javante Williams pick just gives me too many questions. And he is rising. I was waiting for it to happen, and he, now he's rising again. He went up about a half round yeah. than he was last night. As Farrell, he should, in some people's eyes. Right, exactly, yes. Um, Farrell, uh, Sean Green just uh, chimed in in the YouTube chat right now with the answer to your question. Mike Evans has a uh, total of 65.5 catches this year. Michael Pittman at 75.5 there. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, like for a guy like Pittman, who is, again, the, the, our friends in the desert are saying 75 catches for him. Seventh round, wide receiver 35. Man, I think we can do better than that. I think he goes up. And, and Terp, I would not say that I expect Javante – like, what's the best way to put this? I don't know necessarily if I'm targeting Javante Williams earlier than where he's going right now in my drafts, but I do expect him, rightly or wrongly, to rise in drafts now that we know he's not starting on pop. I think that's where I'm coming from. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and Bonky, you've got that player on your mind. I can't wait till you get down here. Uh, Caesar, Southern Indiana. He's a great zero RB pick this year. And, and fine, yeah, he, he, he's, he's just going to be all over your I don't think he's a good best ball pick personally, but I think he yeah. could be an outstanding 
redraft pick. Like if you're taking and, a main event and you could just you know patch up the first couple of weeks until he's back, if if you think he's going to be back, I mean he has potential to be a league winner. We say the same thing about Brees Hall is going a couple of rounds earlier. I mean, he might start off the season slow, coming back off the injury, but he could be, a, when it comes down to the money time at the end, both of those two guys could be guys that are on all the championship teams. Farrell, you know, uh, while, go ahead, Farrell. We, we talk so much about stacking. I, you know, it's interesting. We get these, these excellent Tampa players, and no one's particularly um, interested in even a 20th round stack, uh, stack with Baker Mayfield. And I've never been a big Baker Mayfield fan, but I realized that he's had six coaches in four and a half years in the NFL. And it takes a lot to go in to play that position. And I wonder what he what's going to happen with him in this offense. Uh, is he just a placeholder for the rookie? I very, very much like this rookie, Kyle Trask. And, and when if, if the rookie gets to play with the rocket of the arm he has – then I really love Evans as a pick, too. And I think the rookie does get to play in this offense. Baker Mayfield will have those flash games, but that's that's not going to get it done uh, unless he just completely becomes a different individual uh, and a different kind of quarterback. A light comes on, and he's finally lined up with someone that, that, that can work with him in the right way. But Baker Mayfield has, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people that, have, have had to move on from jobs after they've been involved with him. So that's, that's all I'm saying. Lee Snyder is in the YouTube chat right now. And, and he just posted about George Pickens who went to Dave, uh, Dave Hubbard last night in the middle of the draft. George Pickens goes at the eighth round tonight, 807 40th receiver off the board. He wants to know, and Terp, I'll throw this to you first. What are your thoughts about him making this sophomore leap? This uh, Lee Snyder's question here. And, and I got to be, be honest with you, like the, with the offense that he's in and the personnel that's around him, I think there's a lot of reason that, that he would get steamed up in drafts. He has been the last couple of nights here. How do you fall in on Pickens from year one to year two, Turk? It comes down to two questions. Do you believe in Kenny Pickett to take the, the next jump? And do you believe the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, has any chance to evolve? Because you haven't seen it. I mean, it's he's he's run a stale offense. Can he make somebody besides Deontay Johnson and his million targets fantasy, you know, viable? That's a big question. Um, I'm on the side that he can, uh, mostly because I, I trust Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett takes the next step. Um, do I think they're a playoff team or you know a contender? No, but they have plenty of weapons, Harris, Warren, Johnson, Pickens, Fryermuth, plenty of talent to go around. Allen Robinson's on that team. I mean, one of the biggest talented receivers in the game. Just kidding. But, <laughs> I mean, I think Pickett takes the next level. You just got to hope that the coaching staff has evolved over the offseason and can figure it out. Because if they do, that division should be filled with tons of shootouts. Yeah, and you got to love the athlete. You just when you look at Pickens, love the player. You, it's just a question you of love the those two questions got to be answered. You know, if if you watch if you watch a lot of red zone, you're going to like Pickens because you got to love what he does. So 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 Farrell, you've drafted best ball teams before, and I'm kind of curious. You know, we had a situation going on with the 11 and 12 teams tonight. John Bragg, and then of course uh, from the 11 spot, and then of course Sean Siegel and Ben Gretsch from the 12. They're the only two teams to start off with three straight receivers. 
um, with their first three picks. And then Debo Samuel obviously went to stealing bananas as well at the 401. But I'm kind of curious when you're going and you have the same setup basically or the same team construction through three rounds, does that change the way that you formulate the rest of your draft based on the team next to you kind of doing the same thing? Do you adjust at all for something like that? I try to maybe anticipate what that drafter is going to do and get out in front of him. Um, But uh, yes, you know, I'm always looking at the board and trying to figure out what the next moves are are going to be around me and even around ahead. And, and it, it helps me, uh, it helps me understand who might be building something that can get in the way of my bill. Now, it, it's quite unscientific, and it's 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 quite based on feel. Um, but especially in the best ball tournaments that we're dealing with in the spring, which is when I like to really draft them, uh, feel is is pretty much what you have to go by. Terp, um, we have not talked about Howard Bender's team a whole lot tonight. Um, I want to get into it right now. Four running backs in the first five rounds. That you can you can comment on that if you want. But I'm kind of curious. Like I don't. And and I could be wrong in this. I don't really see Tua Tungavailoa going to many teams that don't already have Tyreek Hill and or Jalen Waddle. Um, he did not have either of these players tonight from the ten spot. Yet he takes Tua Tungavailoa as the tenth quarterback off the board. He's on the clock right now at the eight oh three tonight. Does Tungavailoa have? And, and this is weird to say this, but does he have standalone value when you don't have Waddle and Hill? No, absolutely not. I mean. We're not even talking about the the massive issue with Tua with the concussions. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're if you're taking the shot on him, you got to take the shot on him with Hill or with Waddle or with both, because it's a massive risk to draft him in any format right now. Obviously, there's a ton of risk, but there's obviously you see you saw what the reward could be last year before the injury happened. So to me, if you're taking Tua, you have to take one of those. You're, you better have taken Waddle. You better have taken Hill or you just pass them. There's plenty of other guys that could potentially be, you know, just as good as Tua this year. I agree. I've not not sat down and said, oh, I really got to target Tua. Never. The only reason I talk, I will never target Tua in a draft, ever. I will never take him naked by himself. It's it, you know, it, it, it makes sense. never put you in never zero percent chance Tua will be on any of my teams without Waddle or Hill. Yeah, but it could be five percent by seven. unless they get auto pick. <laughs> Zero percent. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, why, why do things don't? We we didn't answer, and I can't remember who asked it, and it's too far back in the chat right now. It might have been Scott Hoyt. I can't remember. But he was asking about Kamara's suspension, Farrell. Kamara goes at running back 23 at the 606. If you were drafting in pros versus Joes or maybe the FFPC best ball tournament or any FFPC, you know, the fantasy pros draft, you're gunning for a million, main event where you're gunning for a million. Um, how do you handle Alvin Kamara in drafts right now? Mm, I drafted him uh, with a dear friend Drew Maselli in a fantasy league recently, or in a, a, a dynasty league recently. Um, the look, if you can, you know, if you, if you want to get that crystal ball out and you want to start looking at some things about what's going to happen, I Kamara's got to have a bounce back year. Uh, his you know, his his behavior on Pro Bowl weekend might say a few things about the way he approaches his business as a football player, um, which makes me hesitant. Uh, perhaps I look at guys off the field too much when I'm making fantasy decisions, but I realize that 
a good player to get the numbers that he's going to have to get to be a Pro Bowl level player is, you know, it's a week long job. So Kamara is, is lost the trust of a lot of people. He's going to have to regain it where he is. And uh, we'll see. I, I don't. Uh, so, yeah, you, you love the talent and you love the history. And we talk about players that are, are dustbin players, according to Terp. Which <laughs> dust buckets. Dust, dust buckets. buckets. Yeah. He's, he's not well, ben is he's British for bucket, you know, but nevertheless. But I will tell you, um, David Carr quarterback teams, there's a lot of passing there that, that should go to him. There's a lot of uh, – Carr is reckless in the red zone with the ball, so you think that they will give Kamara a lot of chances in the red zone. There's a lot of arguments you can make that this player puts up big numbers through scoring touchdowns in the games that he's available to play in, in the season. So, um, and once again, you're watching live coverage of the Pros versus Joes. Draft number three, this is the Camden Town League tonight on the HSFFR. If you are uh, first time you're watching the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, number one, welcome. Number two, we do this show, Farrell and I do it, uh, with special appearances by Dave Terpoli year-round every Friday at 10, 9 central, which we'll be doing again this Friday. So make sure you're checking us out there. Live on only FFPC social channels, including YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as anywhere you get podcasts afterwards. You can always stream us as well. Terp, you talked about your um, uh, trepidation in drafting Javante Williams, where he's going right now. I want to ask you a little bit, uh, number one, about Shane Hallam, what he did tonight, getting Javante Williams in the seventh and then coming back with Samaje Ryan in the ninth round. And then if you don't have Javante Williams and you don't like the pick, are you bumping Samaje Ryan up your own draft board? Ryan is definitely one of my highest known guys so far. I just feel like he's going to have a role no matter what. I don't see Javante Williams ever getting full-time work this year. And if it comes, it's going to come when, you know, at the end of the season where it's going to be really, really tough for Javante Williams owners to still be alive, you know, with a chance of some money. So P Ryan's a guy, is he sexy? Is he somebody that's going to be a league winner for you? No, but as a running back too, if you're, you know, doing the hero RB build and you're stacked everywhere else, he's to me, the, one of the perfect guys you can add to that. He has upside, not a ton of upside, but he could easily be a 12 to 18 point a week type of situation in, you know, not every week, but the potentials there, he should catch passes. I just don't see the Javante Williams hype. I, I, I just, to me, he's a pass and P Ryan's a guy I feel like should be getting moved up a little bit more. Not that I want to create a face off here, but perhaps I will be doing it. Please welcome into the podcast uh, at Shane P Hallam on Twitter. You follow him there. As well as all draft draft countdown, Debbie Marketplace, Dynasty League football. Our good friend Shane Hallam, welcome into the broadcast <laughs> tonight, Shane. How, how's it going? We've been talking a lot of the the Williams and and P Ryan, but you know the the moral of the story is you locked up the Denver ground game here, my friend. Yeah, I know it's like the big best ball no no to to take like the the handcuff guy or the second guy, but you know this is not uh, the main event. This is not even the best ball tournament. I'm just trying to win this league. And uh, I think P Ryan was a nice value there in the ninth. So, you know, Javante not going on the pup list. I, I, you know, I, I disagree with Terp in that. I think, you know, we know what Sean Payton does with running backs. He, we saw Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara for the saints. I think Javante Williams and Samaje P Ryan can be that they can uh, use Javante in kind of a Mark Ingram type of role until he gets up to steam. And if Javante Williams hits, I think I win the league. 
Like I, I that, that's really what it came down to for me mm-hmm. in the seventh is if he hits, I think I win. And P Ryan gives me a, a nice safety net and I have some running backs later that uh, with some upside that I'll take. Shane in the uh, FFPC best ball tournament, um, guys, a couple of guys that were going after uh, uh, B. John Robinson, uh, I beg your pardon. A couple of guys that on average are going ahead of B. John Robinson went after you took Robinson tonight. Can you, was Robinson another pick to win type guy here at the one Oh six? Look, I'm the NFL draft guy. Like I'm the, I'm the dynasty and Debbie guy. I mean, B. John Robinson is the highest graded running back I've had coming into the NFL since 2007, since Adrian Peterson. So over Barkley. I have him over Barkley. I actually have him. I've been doing this since 2004. He's third behind Peterson and Reggie Bush for me. Um, yeah. I, I think Bijan's receiving ability, the dynamic ability to play in the slot, to to see the hole, the acceleration and quickness in his feet, I think is unmatched. I think he's going to be the RB1 in fantasy this year. Shane, um, I was wondering, and I didn't bring this up because Terp was talking about the Joe Burrow pick, but I was wondering when you took Waddle. Um, were you thinking like, okay, maybe I can wait on quarterback now and get Tunga Bailoa later, which obviously Tunga Bailoa, the conversation with him, this is the longest Tunga Bailoa conversation we've ever had in the YouTube chat in the history of the show right now. But I, I'm kind of curious. You took Burrow at the 407. Did you have any inclination of like maybe waiting on quarterback and taking Tunga Bailoa later? I definitely want to leave the possibility open. I, you know, I like the Dolphins this year. I think the offense will be good. You know, you know Tua I think is a little bit of a risk. I just felt like in the fourth, I didn't love my options at that spot. And I think I think there's a big drop off after Burrow. So I wanted one of the elite quarterbacks. You know, I, I, I think what Terp said about the stacking, very crucial in a big tournament. I think in this where I'm just trying to win the league, I'm not as worried about it. You know, when I'm doing some drafting some of the best ball tournaments with Todd Burrows, like we're, we're worried about the stacking. Here, I'm just trying to win. I, I think – Joe Burrow, you know, is going to be a top three quarterback this year. If I think if that happens, I don't care if I don't have the receivers. Shane, um, when you were picking in the fifth round tonight, um, you knew that – well, I shouldn't say you knew, but you had to be looking at like, okay, I already got Hawkinson here in the third. These tight ends that are still sitting out there, I might have the opportunity to draft one. Darren Waller's ADP, 505. Uh Kyle Pitts, ADP, 410. George Kittle at 407. Waller and Pitts get gobbled up. You're back on the clock. What were you thinking there when you saw Kittle was uh, was still out there and you already had a tight end? Like, I didn't expect to do this. I'm not the two tight end guy. Like, that's not what I do. I just couldn't believe he was still sitting on the board. And there, there honestly was no one. I don't think anyone the first two nights uh, went, you know, two with two top seven tight ends. So... I just couldn't pass it up. Like the team's not going to look great on paper. I think when you take two tight ends like this, it always looks kind of nasty because your running backs drop off and your receiver depth isn't there. Um, but, but I do think it gives me an advantage at the flex every week. Uh, I think Kittle's a good football player. I'm not even the biggest Kittle fan, but in the middle of the fifth, I, I don't I don't know how I could have passed on him. Um, it, you know, I, I was looking at it. I, I probably would have even taken Pitts. If Team, Kittle had team Seven was line. praying that you would pass on him, so was you know, <laughs> so were all these other teams to the right. I think it's a fantastic pick. 
Um, Shane, Marquise Brown in the sixth round. I, I feel like this is a guy without DeAndre Hopkins could gobble up a lot of targets in Arizona this year. Who are those targets going to be coming from? I guess we're not so sure. And that's probably what's depressing him a little bit here. You get him as wide receiver 29 at the 607. What's your expectation of what Brown's going to do this year with or without Kyler Murray? Yeah, I, I really like what Terp said before. I, I think the, the targets are just going to go to Hollywood Brown. I mean, if you watch him last year, he they, they manufactured touches for him. I think with Jonathan Gannon and the new staff coming in there, you look at that offense, you're like, this is not good. You know, if we have to start Colt McCoy or David Bloch or whoever is starting there, like just, just throw some screens to Hollywood Brown, like let him do his thing. I think we're going to see a lot of that early. I think the PPR value is uh, – I think he's just getting depressed because he's a Cardinal. and uh, Nobody wants to draft Cardinals. Yeah, and oftentimes those wide receiver ones on the crappy teams can still work out for you if no one else on that offense helps you. Correct. Shane, you just were on the clock. You took Jamison Williams, a guy who is we're not going to see probably until mid-October, but obviously the upside's tremendous. His value was depressed last year because he was coming off the torn ACL. His value is once again depressed this year because he's got the suspension. But you got to think in, in the middle of the 11th round on a team where you already had four receivers, but you only had two in the first six rounds, the upside here is wide receiver 53. This is something that you have to be a fan of at this point. I, you know, if we hit, once we hit like double digit rounds, if I can get three weeks, four weeks out of a guy in best ball, then I'm happy with the pick. And Jameson Williams feels like that player, right? You know, I, I talked in the chat on uh, YouTube that I think George Pickens is similar, but it's going to have maybe more spike weeks because he's playing more. I think mm -hmm. Jameson Williams is going to have three weeks of, you know, five catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And he does that twice in the year. It's a good pick in the 11th. That's kind of what I'm shooting for here at the end of this draft. We are into the second half of this draft, Shane. Final question for you here. What are you going to be doing? You already have two elite tight ends. You've got your elite quarterback. You have uh, five receivers on your roster. I guess probably the, the most work you have to do is, at running back is, is that the position you envision yourself hitting over these last nine rounds the most? Yeah, I think running back is going to be a focus. Um, you know, I think it's going to be about playing that upside and seeing if I can just catch some lightning in a bottle at running back or even a, a third re receiver position. Um, if I can do that, then I think his team is going to be really solid. So, and look, you, you know, I'm I'm the the draft guy, so there's going to be some rookies here, Tostin, coming up. You got to stay on brand. Yes. Yeah. Um, follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. You uh, can check out his work not only at Draft Countdown, DraftCountdown.com, at Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Debbie Marketplace on Twitter, and then, of course, check out his work for Dynasty League Football as well. Um, and you have a, an upcoming addition to your family. Did, did, did I see that right? Yeah, my, my wife is due uh, in September 4th, so our, fir oh. our first uh, child, so... I'm excited. Congrats, man. No, th thank you. And thank you guys for doing this every year. I, I mean, I love the podcast. I listen to all of them, and I'm always trying to be here live. So thanks for doing this. You're very welcome. Shane P. Hallam, uh, good luck the rest of the way, Shane. Give him hell, all right? No, thanks, guys. You got it. Shane Hallam, ladies and gentlemen, uh, chiming in on the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer coverage of the pros versus Joes. Once again, follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. You know what I should have asked him, guys? I, I think Shane has um, rookie mock drafts. Uh, all the way out to like 2028 20, at this point. <laughs> not rookie. Now I take that back. Not rookie mock drafts. Actual NFL mock drafts. One hundred He's one he's, of the sharpest he's in the game. Sharp and sick. And and I'm going I'm going to insult him and compliment him at the same time because that is what Shane 
That is what Shane Allen does. Always love talking shop with that guy. Back to the draft here. Um, let's. I, I want to uh, stay on the um, the the uh, draft countdown. Shane Hallam squad here in the sixth spot. Farrell, let me pitch this to you here. Um, and I, again, I always I, I I always think I should be answering the Packers questions, but I like asking them because I like getting everybody else's opinion. I, I continue to think that the 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 deep yawning chasm between Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is too big. Tonight we saw it again. 411 for Christian Watson to Josh Larkey and Ryan Reynolds. Romeo Dobbs at the 1007 to Shane Hallam from Draft Countdown. Full PPR. I think Dobbs is going to catch a lot of passes in Green Bay this year. I'm not saying you draft him ahead of Watson, but my goodness, six rounds between them. I think that's too much, Farrell. You're the smart guy, Balky, but you know, Dobbs didn't catch how many touchdowns over so few games last year. You know, and, and that's that bias of seeing that. So there's the reason for it. And and there's nothing wrong with picking Watson there. I think you moved Dobbs up a little bit. Um, I'm trying to figure out uh, what um, Shane Hallam's middle name is right now. I, I know I Who asked him this on, no on a knows. podcast a couple years ago. We're going to figure it out in the YouTube chat right now. Um, and we're, we're entering the uh, 12th round here uh, right now, guys. Um, John Daigle from 4for4.com from the 8th spot tonight, Terp. He only has Mixon as his, as his running back. Um, through eight rounds. Uh, Is that a strategy that you would do? And then did he do enough in rounds 9, 10, 11? He's about to be on the clock again with Cook, Charbonnet, and Elijah Mitchell there. Did he do enough at running back, or does he have a lot more work to do here in the second half of the draft? I mean, he definitely has a little bit of work, but I think he did great after taking mixing, getting stacked with Jackson and Andrews, a gift in Cooper Cup where he got him, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore is is his free-falling in draft. I can't speak in drafts right now which is surprising to me. He shouldn't be going in the sixth round. I think he should be up, you know, a full round in the fifth. Fryermuth, you know, solid tight end with the format. Uh, Traylon Burks, he's my guy, still has potential. I still think there's a world he outscores DeAndre Hopkins this year. But the three running backs, Cook, Charbonnet, and Mitchell, all have league-winning upside. Cook, depending on where he goes, I'm not the biggest fan, but if he goes somewhere like the Jets or the Patriots and there's an injury – same thing with, you know, Walker in Seattle with Charbonnet. And we all know Christian McCaffrey with, you know, Mitchell, if he's healthy, which is the biggest if with him, he's going to get carries in that offense. And you saw last year when he played with McCaffrey, McCaffrey didn't get them big numbers. Yeah, he, he was solid, but he definitely frustrated a lot of fantasy owners in them couple of weeks that Mitchell was, you know, getting the 10 carries a game, getting the goal line work sometimes. It was just annoying enough. So I think he did a good job getting mixing and then, Following it up, you know, four solid receivers. He has, you know, he stacked it, the tight end and quarterback early. I'm a fan. Getting Jalen Warren, no issues whatsoever with his draft, especially in this format. He just needs Mixon and one or one of the injury to happen, and he's, he's set. Josh he's, got four, he's got four excellent players and a lot of serious question marks that he didn't need to bring on himself, I don't think. Well, DJ Moore. Uh yeah, you, you got to love it, but there's question marks at the quarterback. Terps already talked about Deontay Johnson, the offense, Matt Canada. You know, Terp, you love Burks, but, you know, it, it's – it's. I, I like the athlete. I like the potential of him, but it's not there in that offense. There's – there's. hey, there's Warren. There's a guy you like, Terp. I mean, this, this guy uh, – yeah, I, I wouldn't want this team. This is one of my least favorite teams in the league with some of my favorite players on it. 
Yeah. I would say he's my third favorite team so far. Yeah, so we don't get, we don't agree there. Well, third and twelfth get paid the same thing in this league, so it doesn't. One thousand second and twelfth get paid the same thing, so no second gets second gets pat on the back. Hey, congratulations! Oh, I, I was not aware of that. That is news yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. I'll okay. call all, right. all the second place finishers. Um, Farrell, the uh, the team of uh, Durham and Dermer, that's uh, Josh and Laura Durham from the three spot tonight. I feel like this is more of a quote unquote traditional start to the draft. Um, they get Justin Jefferson uh, at the 103, but then they pound these running backs Pollard, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne. They don't hit it again until Devon A. Chain in the 11th round, but in that time, they got three more receivers and Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, and Zay Flowers, which I know is. Uh, the Flowers pick was drumming up some ch some chatter in the YouTube and Facebook chat tonight. Um, but Waller and Everett here in the 5th and 10th round, and you pepper in Deshaun Watson as the 8th quarterback off the board. There's only 18 quarterbacks off the board, so there's still an opportunity to grab a second one here uh, that's going to be a difference maker. I'm kind of liking Josh and Laura's team from the 3 spot tonight. Your thoughts on it? I love this team. I, I did, yeah, and what they did at receiver from where they were coming from, very, very impressive. This is mm -hmm. a team I can get behind very easily. Let's move on here and talk about the, the what uh, Team 1 did. That's Commando Fro, Chris Hart, and Tobin Bialkini, uh at the 8-9 um, turn. Anthony Richardson and Geno Smith. Uh, Turp, this is the perfect blend here of high upside and yet a high floor here. So even if Richardson doesn't hit, you should have Geno Smith doing pretty good damage throughout the season. Uh, throw into those three receivers, not to mention Zach Charbonnet uh, in that backfield as well. What do you? Uh, how do you like the uh, the quarterback turn there of Richardson and Smith to Commando throw from the one hole? Very much like it's a perfect best ball type of setup. You know, Richardson has plenty of upside. He has obviously a ton of questions too, but getting Geno Smith should stabilize that room. Pairing with Tyler Lockett, big fan. Very nice draft so far. Getting Jordan Love as a solid third third quarterback, who we know I love, pretty solid team. Um, we are broadcasting the PBJ live here. Pros versus Joe's number three fantasy pro. Or, beg your pardon, fantasy football players championship. Pros versus Joe's. One of these teams will win a twenty twenty four FFPC main event squad where they will compete for a one million dollar grand prize. Go back to Rotobuzz guy Howard Bender. I'm going to be on his show tomorrow on Fantasy Alarm Sirius XM. Um, I, and I'm going to ask him about this one. I'm going to ask you, Farrell, right now. He waited on tight end until round 11. He gets Sam Laporta and Juwan Johnson there. He's probably going to have to hit the position again. But how would you rate um, what he did at tight end waiting as long as he did? Mm, I like it. I'm not particularly going to be in love with it. I would have probably wanted to put one of those players uh, with Gusecki because Gusecki was still on the board, and that's the way I would have played it. But I like the potential of both those players. Um, uh, yeah, he's going to have to hit it one more time. It is just the same thing with the quarterback with team number one. And I, Commando Fro, I haven't seen that guy in forever. I'd like to say hello to him once. Yeah. yeah. No, that, I, I would say if I remember, I mean, this is like the 12th or 13th year of the HSFF hour. And uh, Chris Hart and Toby Bielkini, I think were like the fourth or fifth, somewhere around there. They were like true OGs, like on the fourth or fifth ever episode of the yeah. HSFF forward. They're cool guys. I love hanging out with them for they're, sure. And so, but, you know, their quarterback, I wanted to see what they did with the third pick. And I like what they did with the third pick with, with Josh Love. So, you, yeah, let's let's see. If you're going to wait at the position, let's see what you do putting together three of them because that's that's what a lot of the 
It's what a lot of the guys that are hesitant at quarterback and tight end must do. They must do it well. Pro, uh, apparently in W. Cough in 2002, if Dizzle recalls correctly, and if I remember correctly from my conversations with them, I believe that's accurate. So they are OGs 20-plus years in the high-stakes industry competing for big-time prizes, some of which they've already won. Go back to the back-to-back champs. Speaking of, uh, of uh, big-time prizes, uh, you have Nick Costantino and Sean Stutzman, who we already had on the broadcast earlier. Terp, they waited until round 11. They got a couple of quarterbacks on their roster now. Um, they didn't have any through the first 10 rounds, but they got Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. I think you could do a lot worse than those two quarterbacks here when you wait as long as they do, as long as they did. And maybe this is just because I think Russell Wilson's in for a bounce back. I think Derek Carr's in for a good season in New Orleans as well. I like that, man. Like you wait on quarterback that long and get those two guys when you pepper in all that other value that you got at running back and receiver, they're doing it the right way. This is my favorite team. I feel like where's the weakness? Stacked at running back, stacked at receiver. If you believe in Kyle Pitts, that's where I think add, the weakness is, right? You like you say it's, Kyle it's Pitts, but if you you could easily add a couple guys here that you know can offset the Kyle Pitts, you know guys like Trey McBride. We can keep going on the list of, of guys with potential that make a ton of sense for this team. But you get Wilson with Judy, you get Carr with Olave. This team's stacked. I mean, these guys clearly know what they're doing. Back to back main event champs. They're they might be the overall league winner so far. They're, they're battling one other team that I've seen so far. I, I predicted last year who was going to win, and I plan on doing the same. They're definitely in my one or two slot right now. But very good draft. No negatives to say about this team at all. Stacked all around. Um, let's team, turn, go ahead, uh, Farrell. Team leaves me a little flat at the quarterback position. because I, uh, Turp, I think the most we can hope for here is uh, – it's 4,000 yards out of these quarterbacks. And it, I look at some of these other teams that I like, and and I see a lot more touchdowns, a lot more yardage. And it, over this 17-week season, those five to six, seven-point differential at the quarterback position is just going to add up. It's just just pure numbers. I, I, I – Balky asked very early in the show, would you go – you know, would you go in this top quarterback tier and get them? You might ask it about tight ends too, but uh, yeah, I, I that leaves me a little flat. I want to see their, I want to see their third quarterback. So, so let me ask you this, um, uh, and this is something Terp that that appeared earlier in the YouTube chat, and I, I'm not paying it off till now, so my apologies on that. But somebody asked, who's the Eagles' running back to draft behind DeAndre Swift? Is it is it is it going to be um, Rashad Penny or is it going to be uh, Kenneth Gainwell? And it seems like the FFPC players have spoken. It's Rashad Penny in in the tenth round. Is that the right guy to go with, or would you rather wait and draft Gainwell later? It's so tough because I'm a Swift guy. So Swift is the guy that I'm I'm going to be drafting more than any of them. I just love the talent, love the offense. I mean, everything just seems like a perfect fit for him. But you have the injury risk. Rashad Penny without Swift. Let's just say they add in that Swift was a guy that I was targeting a ton early because when he's healthy, you can easily say he's a top five fantasy producer at the position right now. He has league winning upside. I would take him over Gainwell. I, I think it's not as big as a margin as you're seeing right now in drafts because they trusted Gainwell in the Super Bowl. They did not trust Miles Sanders when when early on after. He was just inconsistent. They pretty much went to game well the rest of the game. But they don't trust him enough because they added two guys, even though they were cheap, two guys that just 
are very, very talented backs for nothing. So to me, the question Gainwell versus Penny, it's Penny, but it's not by a lot. But the guy that drafts is DeAndre Swift. <laughs> by the way, John Terry uh, piping in right now. Oop, that's the wrong comment. Uh, Swift is the guy to draft after Rashad Penny this year. So that's what we should be discussing. Swift or Gainwell after Penny has been drafted. Um, Terp, we have to give you, we have to dap you up here. Um, uh, Dave Gerzak chiming in right now. The fact that you called out the overall winner during the draft last year cannot be possibly mentioned enough. And we're going to mention it again tonight because you were given uh, Stutzman and Costantino a lot of love tonight. You said the GOAT district was going to win this thing last year, and they did. They ended up beating second place Chad Schroeder uh, by about 36, and a half, 36 points and change last year to come out on top. Actually, Josh and Laura Durham finished fourth overall in this contest last year. They're drafting tonight. Uh, and out of the top, um, oh, my goodness, I have to look at this. The top four finishers, I think, top four finishers in this competition last year were all FFPC Joes. What stood out? To, what do you remember about the GOAT district call? Why was it such a slam dunk for you? It just made sense. I mean, a lot of people said I was being biased just because they're friends of mine outside of the show. Maybe I was, but, I mean, their team was just so good. And, and I've seen two teams so far that are leading uh, my charge, which I'll announce on the last show, which I'll be on next Tuesday, I think it is. Uh, I mean, the team, team six, which I believe was Billy Muzio's team, the first draft, which I was not on for, mm-hmm. his start was ridiculous, I believe, with Hill, Waddle, and Alave. And then Team 5 with the back-to-back champs. They're my top two right now. I will make a decision as we come, but I'm pretty confident one of those teams will be up there when it matters at the end. So um, what we're talking with uh, or talking about the 12 teams tonight, stealing bananas and stealing signals. That's uh, Sean Siegel and, and uh, Ben Gretsch's squad. They only have two running backs through 14 rounds tonight, yet they have four tight ends, Farrell, Dulcich, Cole Komet, Trey McBride, Dawson Knox. It's tough to say, oh, they overdid it on tight end because they didn't have any tight ends through the first eight <laughs> rounds. Now they have four of them. How concerned would you be if you have that squad and all those receivers, you have Fields, you have Goff, how concerned about that squad would you be given that you only have two running backs through 14 rounds? I like the players. Um, I don't like the build. Uh, but you know what? It's a 20-round draft and we're not finished. Um, mm-hmm. The um, – Yeah. The, I love a, the build. Well, what do you love, love about it? What do you love, love the build? I mean, you, you, can fill, you can easily drift. There's plenty of running backs that are still on the board. Yeah, realistically, need one. You need. Well, we talked that, about that last you need, night. You, I need said more that than, you need more than one at this. The point. Number two running back is the least important scorer in this lineup. Least important. Got to have some to score. J.K. Dobbins and, in the fifth round, where they got him to me. Is outstanding value. He's going to be their lead guy. Yeah, so he's their number one. With the Heinz injury, Cook makes a ton of sense, you know, with this build. They could easily draft guys like Keontae Ingram, Malik Davis. We can keep going through a list of, of, yeah, they're not sexy names, but they're just as close as injury behind as, you know, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bisbee. I mean, there's no guarantee any of these guys are getting jobs right away. No. And you, but you said that you said there's lots of excellent running backs to still pick. They can't find them because they keep picking them. It is. Well, you're not going to win in this format with a service. All right, but but Farrell, to Terp's point here. Yes. When you when you are not getting paid out for second place, you have to win. Like they have basically 
they they have staked themselves to Dob, Dobbins and Cook. They Four are dominant at, at receiver, and they're they they should be able to piecemeal it ham and egg it, if you will, at tight end. I, I Fields and Golf are fine at quarterback to this to this point. If if you stake your your um you know claim to this um, free main event entry for 2024 to Dobbins and Cook, then it works. Like if those two running backs um, hit, then then it works. But you're also if it asking. Doesn't you finish in twelfth place? Exactly, and no you don't care, right? Out. Because you're if you're not if you're it's the whole Ricky Bobby aspect. If you're not first, you're last, and I think that's the aspect that that they have taken on. I would here. never recommend this build in like pretty much any other format, right? But yeah. you gotta you gotta win. Well, I'm I'm talking about this format, and yeah, okay. I not nah, they're I, shooting for the moon, and hey, they could be twelfth, and nobody will ever remember. Hmm. Um, Farrell, let's we're talk not about going our win because you've already picked the winner, even though we're only in the 14th round. But yeah, but you feel right. like, okay, did, hold on. Team 12, don't, don't give up because I the did. The winner of this league will be team five. Oh, yeah. See, well, okay. they're, so they're not going to win, so they can pick another tight end. Turp, refresh my memory. When did you say Goat District was winning the whole thing? Were they in the final draft? Right after the draft. Yeah. No, I know, but were they in the final pros versus Joe's? Uh, I believe they were, if I remember okay. correctly. Right. They were okay. in the I final recall one. that. I, yeah, it was a ballsy pick, and it was true. Yeah, I remember that. You'd love that pick. I, I think we uh, we would be remiss to mention our good buddy Kevin Williamson. We have not talked about his team hey, almost Kevin. at all tonight. Uh, longtime listener of the HSFFR, gunning for a million bucks in the Fantasy Pros Championship, gunning for a million bucks in the FFPC main event this year as well. Um, let's talk about his squad. Uh, Farrell, what did you make of the four running backs in the first seven rounds? Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Madison, and Kamara. Yeah, well, you know, he wants them. So there, it's a different. Well, I know it's different than Team 12. No, they're good players, excellent players. And, you know, we've talked about Kamara. We talked about Jacobs. You know, we talked about all these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williamson knows what he's doing. He consistently wins, and he doesn't play as many teams as some of the other guys do. And he he has a he has a theory. He sticks with it. He doesn't much talk about what he's going to do. He just goes out and do it. He's one of my favorite players. He's got a big, beautiful trophy case at home. He's got a lot of trophies from Kentucky in it. Um, Terp, what do you make of his Higby Oconquo back-to-back picks in the ninth and tenth round, knowing that he didn't have any tight ends on his roster? That's how he's filled it so far. I think I would probably hit it one more time if I was him uh, in, in this in this league. Um, but your thoughts on the Higby Oconquo start at tight end for Williamson? Like Higby a lot. I feel like he's going to get a ton of targets with Stafford and Cup pretty much being the leading two guys. The Chig pick with the Hopkins signing is not something I'm really excited about. I was excited about Chig before the Hopkins move, but it's just tough to see. I mean, Farrell has talked about that offense is just not a sexy throwing offense. It's never going to be that. It's going to be a Derrick Henry-led offense. So there's never going to be a path for a third guy to get there. So I, I think he's going to be the one where you definitely got to hit it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if tight end works out, his team definitely has potential. The run, the receiver room worries me a little bit. Metcalf, Cooper, studs up top. Pittman, so much has to go right there. I like him, like the talent, but Richardson, there could be some growing pains early. We know what I think of Alan Lazard. I'm never going to be on board with that. Jonathan Mingo, though. Tons of talent there. Very solid 13th round pick. I said it last night on the show. I'll say it again. I think he has the best chance to lead that team in, in every every fantasy category. Yeah, you guys are definitely changing my mind on Jonathan Mingo for sure. Uh, I'm starting to like him uh, quite a bit more. Um, you know, we, we 
we the last time we talked about Commando Froze team, and they had just taken Jordan Love. Farrell, what do you make of KJ Osborne in this best ball format, knowing that um, they already have Justin Jefferson, they already have Jordan Addison, they already have TJ Hawkinson? Um, it, it, you know, for the Vikings, they're going to throw it a lot this year. Is Osborne still worth a gamble in the 14th round as wide receiver 66 here as the number five wide receiver drafted by uh, Hart and Bielkini? I would have to look at the board. I imagine that they were looking forward to getting a chance at uh, Rice, who uh, in my mind did not move up enough in, in this draft. Uh, Very surprising he's not moving up. Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, they, they could have fallen to him. Um they hit their quarterback with love, right? But what do I think about Osborne? Boggy, uh, it's it's hard for me to get excited about this player, even though he's in an offense that's going to throw for a lot of uh, a lot of yards. I uh, I can understand their plan, and they probably know the player uh, much better than I do. And and may I may I for the chat, uh, you can get you can get pictures and and, and things in the chat, right? You can, you can uh, you can post pictures and and. Can you? I don't think you can. No, can you? I wish Williamson would send over his trophy case, just a picture of it. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just unreal. But um, he should post it on his Twitter and then put a link to his Twitter. And there you go, because everybody should see this. I mean, it, it's it's fantastic. And hey, Turf, there's your. Well, I don't want to tease the fifteenth round. The fifteenth rounds. Uh, well, uh, let, let let me tease it right now. Um, and not tease it. I'm going to talk about it. Kenneth Gainwell went off the board to Josh and Laura Durham at the 1503. And there was a post from, I think, resident, our, our resident uh, uh, Philadelphia correspondent here, John Terry, in the chat. He said the running back for Philadelphia is Hurts. Uh, Terp, how concerned would you be about Jalen Hurts if you are drafting a guy like Swift? or Gainwell, or, you know, anybody in that offense this year, Rashad Penny, how concerned would you be about him stealing those goal line uh, carries away, given that the NFL decided not to outlaw that the Philly push or whatever they're calling it right now? He's spot on. I mean, the Eagles running back is definitely tons of questions right now. There's a ton of talent there, but who's going to get the ball? Is it going to be running back by committee? You know, Boston Scott's still there to annoy things. I mean, he's due for two TDs versus the Giants every single year. Every year. Mm -hmm. I mean, so you have the injury risk with Swift and Penny. You have the trust that the coaching staff had in the Super Bowl with Gainwell. It's a muddy situation. Um, if one injury happens, though, it could definitely be a lot clearer. These are guys, like I said, Swift is the guy I'm targeting. But, I mean, I could easily pass him. He's not somebody I'm going to sit here and, like, pound the table for and say I'm in love with because there's so many questions. There's so many guys behind him, and he's never going to get, you know, 20 carries a game no matter how good he looks. Yeah. They're going to mix in plenty of backs, and it's going to be, like I said, a money situation. These guys are more best ball players than they are season long because you're probably always going to get them wrong in a managed league where you have to pick somebody to start every week. So to me, <laughs> it hurts. And just if you're going to take somebody, you, you, you take Swift, you take Gainwell, you take Penny, but you, you just don't push them up too much. Dizzle pointing out, uh, if you cross DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell – uh, uh, how does that on. hurt how you draft? It does not hurt does how you not. draft, which is you just get out of the eagle business. You just, right. you, you're out of your completely. You stick to Goddard, you stick to the pass catchers, and yeah. you stick to the QB one, which you is what be the QB one in every format. And, and that's what Green and Kramer did in the four spot tonight with Smith, Hertz, and Goddard there early. They hit Philadelphia's offense early and often, <clears throat> and that's not a bad offense to be in business with. Guys, we got some news. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today. I think it was today. 
about Brock Purdy being cleared. It sounds like it's going to be a two days on, one day off thing for him and his surgically repaired elbow. Uh, um, the uh, Go Bills, Marv Levy, uh, Stutzman and Costantino here ended up taking Purdy as their third quarterback, quarterback 25. Farrell, do you see Purdy rising up FFPC best ball draft boards after this announcement today? Because I think we're getting some more clarity for that 49ers uh, signal caller conversation. Yep, he's the hardest working young quarterback in the league. Uh, he's He's got a veteran demeanor to him, and he's got wonderful receivers and tight ends and, and gr- the greatest running back in the business. He's going to outscore Carr and Wilson. These guys waited to the third pick to get their quarterback. That's who it is, Purdy. Turk Darnell Mooney was the uh, choice here for Kramer and Green at the 1409 tonight. They added him to a wide receiver room that includes Demonte Smith, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Gabe Davis, and Jacoby Myers. Darnell Mooney is going to be ready to go here coming off that injury. I guess the question here is, Turf, how do you see the Bears' offense this year, knowing that not only Fields wants to pass more or the Bears want Fields to pass more, and I think he wants to pass more this year as well. They already have Claypool. They already have Komet, and now they trade for DJ Moore. How does Darnell Mooney fit into all this? I think he makes a lot of sense. I mean, 14th round, if you believe in Justin Fields, it, it makes just too much sense. I mean, that route tree is going to be very condensed. Let's get rid of Chase Claypool. He's he's not going to be – he doesn't seem, seem like he cared about football last year. They, they gave up a second-round pick, so that's the only thing holding him probably on this team right now. But DJ Moore, I feel like the offense will go through him. He's a guy that a lot of people hate right now in fantasy football, and he's a guy that I'm starting to move up a little bit because I feel like the hate is just – I believe in Justin Fields. I believe that offense takes the next step. I believe they could win a division, mm. but – Mooney will still get plenty of targets. He's obviously a solid deep threat coming off an injury, which is definitely a worry, but that offense, if it takes the next step, it's going to be because of more and Mooney. Bill Hollywood in the YouTube chat tonight, uh, gentlemen says that he won't be drafting any wideouts after the 10th round. He says he usually, <clears throat> excuse me. He says he usually only drafts five of them. And I bring this up because you had two teams at the right end of the board, which we talked about in the first hour tonight, going heavily with uh, receivers there. Uh, the uh, John Bragg ends up going with Lamb, A.J. Brown, and Ridley there. And then uh, stealing bananas, that's Siegel and Gretch. Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel. Guys, if, if you – and Farrell, I'll throw this to you first. But, Terp, I want you to weigh in on this. If you go heavy receiver that early – do you kind of not look at the position after the 10th round because you're already good to go and you are living and dying by those receivers you drafted early? No, I love the double-digit um, wide receivers, and I would never draft like that. And he's talking about a best ball. He only drafts five wide receivers. I, I'm record. assuming, yeah. Okay. Well, they, they, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that because I see a lot of names and we don't need to go over them. But, you know, we've talked about Mingo. We've talked about Rice. Um Terp just made a, a nice argument for Mooney. Uh, yeah, there's, there's way too much talent to just say, I'm not going to draft wide receivers in the double digit rounds. Going back to Kevin Williamson's squad here tonight, guys, as we broadcast the pros versus Joes. Number three tonight, this is Camden Town. Winner of this uh, format is getting a free entry into the 2024 FFPC main event. Remember, you can win a million dollars this year in the FFPC main event when you sign up at myffpc.com. You can also register for the Fantasy Pros Championship, a contest that is also giving a million dollars away as its first place prize and only 350 bucks to enter that as well. Myffpc.com is where to go for that. 
Kevin Williamson takes Michael Mayer here, tight end 29-1507, Farrell. And this is the go with Higby and Oconquo. I really like this pick as his third tight end. There's some upside. There's a lot of targets that got vacated at that Raiders uh, uh, tight end position when Darren Waller went to New York to get Mayer to go with those two tight ends when we were talking about maybe tight end is the weak part of his squad right now. I really like that pick for Kevin Williamson there. Mayer's a great pass catcher who gets yards after catch. He runs and he's hard to take down. Um, the Tennessee tight end, Christian, uh, the, the turf, we talked about that player and, you know, I just see him having a little better year perhaps than you do uh, because of what the defense is going to do with Hopkins there. There's just going to be so much uh, open up across the middle. And if the defensive coordinator doesn't react and roll things away from the middle to, to try to upset Hopkins and move him around and they'll move Hopkins all over. He'll, he'll be moving all over it. Unlike he was in Arizona. It's, it's going to open up so much for the tight end position that I really like the Hopkins edition. You got to remember, it's not a zero sum game. You're going to take Tannehill from the yardage that he had last year. It's going to be much more impressive this year, but this draft pick of Meyer to uh, uh, the Raiders, I think, I think made their really made their draft. And Terp says they're not a good team, and I think he's right about that. But they'll be an improving team, and this will be an improving player during the year. I don't, <clears throat> Terp, I don't want to say Shane Hallam was crowdsourcing his pick in the 17th round, but he was kind of floating it out there a little bit that he was interested in a tight end. And the Dizzle has been telling everybody over the last few weeks on the HSFF Hour how much he likes KDOT, and especially the last few nights. Well, that is what he, uh, Hallam went with here. He goes with Kate Otten, the 34th tight end drafted at the 1706 tonight. You got Hawkinson and Kittle in the third and fifth rounds, respectively. He gets Otten here in the 17th. Terp, do you think that Otten is being, given what he put up last year in Tampa, you think he's being underdrafted a little bit right now? He is the number one player that I don't understand why he's not getting talked about more this late in drafts. It just makes too much sense. He's young talented kid with nobody really behind him yeah they added somebody in the draft but i'm not worried about him baker mayfield will target his tight ends godwin and evans will get a ton of up targets on the outside but that's going to leave the inside just wide open for Otten. he shows a, a solid athletic frame the coaching staff loves him a lot of positive you press i'm shocked he's going in 17th round of tight end premium leagues he has not been talked about at all he's getting undrafted in certain leagues that are, you know, 18 rounds or small. I don't get it at all. It, just, it was crazy. I was drafting 12th and 13th round earlier in the spring. I can't believe, you know, things have remained the same, if not gotten slightly better. Uh, I mean, you look at a guy like Kate Otten versus a guy like Ferguson or Hayden Hurst. Or yeah, any of these other guys drafted in front of him. Any of Noah Fant, Luke Musgrave, Isaiah Likely, Hunter Henry, any Fan. of those guys. I mean, how's Noah Fant catch? I love Noah Fant as a player. But how's he catching passes over Metcalf, Lockett, JSN on a running team? Charbonnet. Charbonnet, keep going. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, we keep going on the list. Luke Musgrave could, could be what this could player be. is, but yeah. we don't know. And but you know, just already like there. He has already a, 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 Kate Otten's definitely a guy that I hope stays quiet because when we start getting the bigger drafts down the road, he's definitely a guy that if you get a stud tight end earlier, I would have no issues whatsoever with him as my second tight end. I'm going to tell you this, and and far, I'm not. I know I'm not going to move the the needle on Green Bay Packers tight ends, but I have seen so much love for Tucker Craft um, over the course of you know basically since he was drafted by the Packers, 
and I have a buddy who um, uh, um, his um, his he he played he played college football with Tucker Craft's dad, and over the years he's watched several of Tucker Craft's games, and he says, "Oh, this guy's just going to be a beast." And while I don't disagree with that, guys, the footage I've seen from from Packers minicamp OTAs, I mean, Musgrave to me, and again, the Packers took Musgrave around ahead of Tucker Craft. Musgrave looks so much more fluid. He looks so he much does. more natural out there than Kraft. And yet I still see pundits out there telling us that Kraft is going to be the guy to own in fantasy over Musgrave. Musgrave is already starting out as the number one tight end in Packers training camp. I'm not, I mean, like, I hope Kraft is great as a Packers fan. I hope he's great. Uh, but, but if I have to bet on one or the other right now, despite what a lot of people are saying, I like Musgrave a lot better. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah and, and, it, and the dizzle Everybody points up to here. Every but, every offensive coordinator in the NFL would love to have this player. And the Packers, you know what I think Packers of the Packers. And I think Musgrave, maybe not right away, but say like early to mid season, he is definitely a guy that could be a very very serviceable fantasy player with potential in that offense. Because like we've talked about, there's not many guys in that offense. Obviously, you mm-hmm. have Christian Watson, Romeo. You got it's a lot Reed. of unknowns in that offense. A lot you of have unknowns. Reed, who's a wild question mark. Yeah, I know they have the draft capital, but you don't know. Rookie receivers, sometimes they start slow. So if if a tight end figures it out, figures out how to block and, and do all the you know the dirty work type of stuff, he's going to be on the field, and that's just going to give him more opportunity. So he's definitely got to watch. Farrell, re- refresh my memory on this. I think I'm getting it right. I mean, John John Terry's pointing out like um, that that. Uh, Musgrave was going to be great, and then he got hurt, and he basically missed his whole last season with that knee injury. But he was coming on in 2021, um, and then 2022. I, I, in fact, I remember watching him. It was like a Thursday night game on ESPN, and he was just – I can't remember who they were playing, but he was open every single play, making big plays. And then he gets hurt his next game, doesn't really play the rest of the season. I got to wonder, Farrell, if he was healthy for the entire season, man, he could have been right up there with Mayer. He could have been right up there with Kincaid in, in this year's draft. Easily. He, he has some of the elements of Mark Andrews. I think that's what a lot of the scouts see in him. Uh, there's just it's just fantastic hands, pass catcher. It's it just developed on a team that uh, on a team that's doing a good job uh, developing players. So, yeah, I there's <laughs> yeah. OK, so we found all the bargains there, the tight ends in the 17th. <laughs> Wait for the 17th. Go 16 and 17 on your tight ends. Wait on tight ends. It's not the worst mentality this year. I know a lot of smart people that are doing that, especially in best ball leagues, just punting tight end and just drafting three, four, sometimes five. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky predicament, but there's a ton of these guys that have a good profile on offenses that are just begging well, for him. Wait, to take wait, the next describe step. ton because we're talking about two guys here Musgrave, Trey McBride. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a good player. You mentioned Mike Jacecki, Sam Laporta. Yeah. That guy yeah, has got more positive in the 12th round turf. He's not. This but I'm saying, like, I'm not saying you're taking. I'm not saying you're taking guys. Well, the 17th hold on. Let, let, let me interrupt this conversation and bring up a guy that that I think would would be included in this. And uh, childhood greats actually posted in the YouTube chat earlier. He wants to know our thoughts on Dawson Knox. He got him in the 18th round. Of pros Perfect. versus Joe's. I want to say it was either yesterday. It was Sunday or Monday. I can't remember which day. He says, uh, no love of, of Kincaid uh, because first-year tight ends don't have a great history, right? Well, by and large, that is true. Uh, first-year tight ends 
don't exactly light the world on fire, but there are certain exceptions to that rule. Dawson Knox in the 18th, Terp, does he apply to one of these tight ends that you can get late that you love? 100%. He's just not going to get ignored in the offense. I mean, obviously they moved to get that Dalton Kincaid. They love him. They need another guy in that offense to take some of the pressure off Diggs. But Dawson Knox isn't going away. I mean, he is – you saw two years ago he had plenty of potential. You know, that Buffalo offense blew up. Last year he was kind of non-existent. He got drafted way too high. But, I mean, he, he still has a touchdown upside. And if you're doing this, like I just said, the four tight end after round 10 build type of situation, mm-hmm. Team 12 knocked it out and knocked it perfectly. They have plenty of upside, and they have a little bit of a safe guy in Cole Komet. Knox is a little bit safe. McBride and, and Dolchus have the upside. So if I'm waiting, I like what they did. You uh, you have to look at um, Team 1 for my next question here. Commando Fro ended up going with Tyquan Thornton, guys, in the 16th round. Farrell, the Patriots missed out on DeAndre Hopkins. They obviously invested some serious draft capital in the Thornton uh, last year. This is a best ball league. Is Thornton worthwhile at the end of the 16th round? I think he could come up with some spike weeks this year for uh, Chris Hart and Toby Bialkini. Yeah, he could. We just started bragging about these guys after the 13th round, and they've they've kind of they've kind of left me cold since then. But um, yeah, there's reasons to like Thornton, but no, I, I, I I'm not overly impressed with what they've done since the 14th round. I, I feel like I've spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Siegel and Gretsch's team from the 12 spot tonight, but I'm going to go back to it. Guys, it, 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 Turf, if you look at this team from the 12 spot, four wide receivers in the first four rounds, they had six wide receivers through 10, and that's been it so far. They've pounded tight end. They've pounded running back uh, here in the last uh, six rounds or whatever. Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, Chase Brown, Pierre Strong. You know, we, we often talk about and they didn't really go a conventional zero RB, but they do need to, to to fire off some bullets at the position here late. What do you make about those bullets? How well did they hit the target with Foreman, Hubbard, Brown, and Strong? All four guys, you could tell a story that they could be the guy. It's it's not – some of these are a little distant. Chase Brown, eh, we talked about it last night. I can never see him being the guy. Pierre Strong, if they don't add Dalvin Cook and something happens to Ramondre Stevenson – they're going to give him and Kevin Harris every chance to be the backup. And we all know Bill Belichick, anything's possible. Chaba Hubbard, in my opinion, could outscore Miles Sanders. I'm not a Miles Sanders guy this year. Chaba Hubbard showed plenty of flashes last year. Am I, am I going to say that's a guarantee or anything like that? No, but you could tell yourself a story to get there. Yeah, Deontay Foreman is a little bit of a tougher one than me because I just think that's a money backfield. They like Khalil Herbert. He's going to get plenty of work early, and he could just take that job and run with it. Roshan Johnson was a hot name coming out of the draft. Uh, you know, he left played behind B. John Robinson, but he has a ton of talent. So to me, it's Herbert Johnson, then Foreman. But you could tell yourself a story, and when you're starting Cook and you're starting Dobbins and you have stacked, you're stacked at every other position, these are the type of four guys that I was talking about that you could get yourself talking into that they might have a role early in the season. And if something happens to the guy ahead of him, if you're right there with those strengths at the other positions, you, you could easily you know, take this league. Farrell, I can tell you that a player we have not talked about yet in pros versus Joes is the starting tight end in Miami. No, not Mike Gesicki because he's in New England. And somebody asked me about this a few weeks ago. Well, Gesicki's not in, in Miami anymore. He's a starter. 
I didn't know. I couldn't. I'm like, oh, they probably drafted somebody. They signed. There's somebody. probably a reason you didn't know because well, here's the thing. It's not going to be relevant. It, it, it's well, okay. So Terp, we got your thoughts on it. But Durham Smythe here for uh, the back-to-back FFPC main event champs: Go Bills, Marv Levy, Nick Costantino, Sean Stutzman. They get Durham Smythe as tight end 37, the third tight end off the board. Farrell Terp says Smythe will not be relevant this year. Are you on the Terp? Uh, train of thought on this one as well. I want to see this position in the preseason. I want to watch some of these players. It's a pretty good player because he pushed a very good tight end in Gusecki off the field, and and they did it sometimes in twelve personnel. But but he was often a target in the red zone. He's got good soft hands. He runs well with the ball after he catches it. He was always that player that you're, you you've rostered another dolphin, and you say, oh, the tight end. Oh no, that's Smythe. Okay. Yes, my. Yeah, he's got some skills, so it'll be easy to see how he develops them. Um, let's uh, let's talk about um, a team that I can't believe that we've we've spent almost no time talking about it tonight. But it's team two: Josh Larkey, Ryan Reynolds from the thirty third team. Uh, they were drafting in the second spot tonight. Had the opportunity for Jefferson or Chase. They went Chase here. They also added Christ- a pair of Christians. This is this is the. Um, the Catholic Lutheran team here tonight with all these Christians on their team, Watson and Kirk here uh, to go with Jamar Chase, JSN, Michael Thomas, Kadarius, Tony, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, a couple of chiefs receivers there to go with their Patrick Mahomes pick at the three Oh two tonight, Derek Henry, Deandre Swift, Pacheco, Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier. They ignored tight end until the round, until round 14, Hurst Ferguson, likely and Hooper. I think they did okay. I'm not loving the Hooper pick there. I think somebody else did not like the Hooper pick in the YouTube chat. But the first three I can get on board with, they get Ty Chandler here in the 19th round. Turp, what do you make of this team? Uh, they got Kyler Murray to back up Mahomes as well. Betting on the Chiefs offense is never a bad thing to do. I mean, obviously not getting Kelsey, taking Mahomes. You're taking a wild card shot with Tony. But, I mean, he's a guy in the 10th round that – could win you this league easily mm-hmm. because he was going in the sixth, sometimes seventh round, you know, just a couple weeks ago. So you're betting on that offense. You got MVS, you know, but the tight end position is not something that's exciting to me. There's not a lot of upside there. I mean, Hayden Hurst is Hayden Hurst. Jake Ferguson <laughs> is a guy that I like, but I mean, I don't really think that the tight end is going to be, it's not Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Isaiah likely is a, talented talented player but well, i bring up likely because like that that's the thing it's just like if you're going for first place which everybody should be like if anything happens to andrews this year I mean, likely is likely very league winner. yeah likely will yeah, well, be I'll, hold on, hold on. i shouldn't say league winner i, I don't want to necessarily agree with that because they do have more pass catchers on this team this year than they had last year but i guess turp that it comes down to if like you look at like okay bateman's already hurt Beckham's talking about retiring after this season. Zay Flowers is a rookie. Then maybe there is more. You are likely to like Isaiah more. Seventeenth <laughs> round. I mean, he is leaps and bounds better than his eighteenth round pick. Mm-hmm. The Austin Hooper pick, I think, was just like a panic pick a little bit. They're probably just thinking they need to add a fourth, you know, fourth guy. He might be the starter there, but that's not going to be for long. But the rest of his team is, in my opinion, very good. Algier, I like. I mean, if you're betting against Bijan, you know. Jamal Williams, if you're, you know, the Kamara, you know, uncertainty and Kendrick right. Miller, you know, is he going to be the guy? I love Ty Chandler in the 19th round. I think he could easily be the starter there by middle of the season with, wow. you know, Alexander Madison not knowing if he could handle the full load. 
Patrick Mahomes, you're gambling on Kyler Murray, which is obviously a gamble because you don't know if he's when he's going to play, but you have mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. So you're betting everything on that offense, and I'm all aboard this team. Farrell, I, uh, I love it when Terp sounds in on, on those SEC players. He knows what he's talking about there with Ty Chandler. Terp, it, you know, you, you talk about Hayden Hurst. Now, Hayden Hurst is playing in Carolina this year, uh, correct? And last year, Balky in Cincinnati, I think he was north of 50 catches and south of 500 yards because he had to he had to stay in a lot of situations and block for Burrow to keep Burrow upright. Uh, the challenge that that Cincinnati offensive line always has. So, and then I look at the fact of the diminutive quarterback, the rookie quarterback there in Carolina. And I remember that rookie quarterbacks love sure-handed veteran tight ends. And we get 1.5 points per catch. I think Hayden Hurst is a 60, 65 catch tight end here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you see that happening? You just talked about a story. And I, uh, game, I, I like right your story. I like telling your story, but. I just don't. Yeah. I like right catches last year. What? Well, uh, you got to stand. You yeah, stand. I do. I do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm going to look it up right now as far as how many how many catches. I want to make sure I'm not talking about 2021. I'm not no, I, as far as how many just, just re- receptions you want to know last year? Receptions last year. Okay. I mean, he didn't get a lot of yardage. Yeah, it was only it's just over 400 yards. He had 52 catches last year. 52 catches. I, I just, you know. I wouldn't discount that player, Turp. That's all I'm saying. There's there's some tight ends it's not there. Not the discount of a player. It's just when you're comparing the position versus some of the other guys, yeah. he's going to be so, so far behind at the tight end position with right. those four guys that it, it could be too insurmountable for him to get up. Because if any of these top – I mean, we're talking about guys like Higby and Kincaid, Laporta, Everett, Schultz. We're not even talking about the big names. These guys could outscore all four of those guys easily. Yeah, there so, were a lot of guys. There were a lot of guys on the board that paired well, paired paired better with Hertz than some of the guys he got. So yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and by the way, John Terry chiming in with uh, Chris Vincent's personal superhero, Tommy Tremble. Don't forget about him. Uh, <laughs> I like well, Tommy Tremble. I liked him when he got drafted. It's so did Chris Vincent for sure. Um, big, biggest fan for Tommy Tremble. Okay, yeah. um, Farrell, I can't remember who posted this in the, in the chat earlier. But they asked about Jimmy Garoppolo and knowing that that he basically does not have any restrictions. He got cleared. He's at training camp right now. Is there is he going to be bumped up in drafts right now? He went tonight to Josh and Laura Durham's team from the three spot. Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill before that. They get Jimmy Garoppolo at the 1903. Are we going to see a rise of Garoppolo? And is it warranted in your opinion? Uh, no, we're not going to see a rise. And, yes, he's a better player than the 19th round draft pick, especially when you consider – the players that are around him. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a nice pick for the 19th rim. Um, Terp, you, you, I just want to get back on this Ty Chandler discussion here. You talked about how you think he could be the starter sooner rather than later in Minnesota, and that's fine. I mean, I could definitely see a world where that exists, where, you know, Alexander Madison, to me, it doesn't strike me as a very special running back at all. No. And Ty Chandler, there's plenty of people, plenty of pundits out there that loved Ty Chandler even before he was drafted. So I'd see it there. But there's also a lot of people on Dwayne McBride this year. What do you think Chandler has over McBride when you think about drafting the guy behind the guy in Minnesota late? Why should it be Chandler over McBride? 
I'm not saying that I've drafted both and I, I'm, I'm a fader of Madison. So he's not a guy that I'm drafting a ton and I'll mix it in Chandler and McBride. I feel like both of those guys have plenty of potential in this offense. I like Chandler's speed a little bit better. And McBride's more of like in between the tackle type of guy. So it's a little bit more of a, of a, of a boring skill set for what you're looking for, but both guys I like both guys I'm drafting this late and both guys I'll add on, you know, handcuffs this late to me. Makes a ton of sense if you're not a believer in Madison, which I'm not. Either one, if I had to take it, you know, like I said, I like Chandler's speed a little bit better. I feel like he has more of a game-breaking ability. And both of these guys are just really cheap. I don't think they'll be in the market to add somebody unless Madison gets hurt, which obviously will be a worry. But to me, Chandler, slightly over McBride, but both I'll take. I think it's a bigger spread than that. Chandler is – not only is it speed, it's – Love them out of North Carolina, but – there's talks that he hasn't figured it out yet. The NFL, he doesn't really you know, the playbook at him aren't 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 you know seeing eye to eye. Blocking's not his specialty. So I mean that's important in that offense because you have Cousins who's a stationary target with stud receivers on the outside. You need a guy who can pick up a block on third down, and and that's where Madison might have the advantage over these two kids. Farrell, how valuable? And we have not talked about John Bragg's team from the eleven hole tonight uh, at pretty much at all. He took Herbert in the fourth round. He took Kirk Cousins here in the ninth. How valuable a pick could Trey Lance be here in the 20th round? Is that a wasted pick, or is that just like, hey, man, if he hits, I'm, I'm in a really good spot right now with Herbert and Lance? Um, Okay. Um, I don't think he's going to get a chance to hit. Um, so it's a wasted pick at that point, right? Yeah. I. What other quarterbacks were left, Bucky? Well, he went – I mean, Mike White went after him. Uh, yeah. You know, so Baker I mean, Mayfield, May, Mayfield still out there as well. He went, Oh, I'll be damned. He got drafted. Holy, they smoke. heard. I love when yeah. that happens. Yeah. I remember on the stream last year when I was talking about Baker Mayfield and he got, yeah, he got, I remember that too. I was so you were sad. in that trap, sir. You were it in was, that trap. I was so sad. I was trying to build a late stack. <laughs> Thank, thankfully, I, mean, I don't know who that was, but I'll thank you on air right now. Appreciate you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about John Bragg's here, uh, team here a, a little bit. So you look at the, at the receivers at the top, Lamb, Brown, Ridley. Uh, he hits Addison as his number four receiver in the eighth round. Juju Smith-Schuster in the 11th. We talked a lot about him. But I like this Isaiah. You know, I, I often thought that when, when I was looking at the ADP coming into the pros versus Joe's, I'm like, got a question every night for Turp and Farrell is going to be, okay, who's your favorite late-round Giants receiver? Because there's so many of them going with Robinson. Like tonight, you look at it, Paris Campbell. Wondell Robinson, Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton. But it seems like Hodgins is going first in every single, um, you know, one of these drafts as far as Giants receivers go. So I think that's my favorite Giants receiver. Uh, I won't ask uh, Farrell about Irv Smith. Uh, oh, tonight. God, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's my Christmas early Christmas gift. Don't deal, ask me either. I don't okay, want to. Okay, well, not, we're not yet. talking about Irv Smith. We're not talking about hey, Irv Smith tonight. There's, there's, Hallam is just golden you know in the love the, the love the kid loves the kid's talent when he came out of alabama but we're not talking about him no we're moving on from pastor smith Kate, nobody wants to Kate talk Kate about him is putting things up in the chat that's very impressive there's a quarterback that you could have taken shocker no desmond ritter it's the last round we can talk about him yeah. so so do you guys think that desmond turp let me throw this to you do you think he lasts the whole season um because they certainly don't have who's the backup there it's heineke right I mean, it, yeah, it certainly Logan, seems like Ritter, Ritter is more of a side. Oh, okay. All right. 
But, but I mean, the thing is, like, Ritter Maybe. after the NFL draft looks like a much safer best ball pick than he was prior to it. To me, Ritter has to be the starter. You have to see what you're going to get because if not, you could be in the running for one of them top quarterbacks next year. You probably won't get to the Caleb Williams range, but mm-hmm. you have potential about some of these other kids that are coming out. But if you go to Heineke, what are you telling your team? Like, you're just going to win enough games well, to get to where – yeah, but I mean, like you think, like that's a young team, so I think they can kind of yeah. understand the predicament they're in. You know what I right. mean? Like Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. None of those guys are expecting playoffs or Super Bowl this year. At least I don't think they are. Mm. Yeah, no, but Ritter, I mean, there's there's definitely an outside world where they could win a division. That division stinks. Yeah, Ritter was Im- impressive to me in the starts that he had last year, from the sheer fact that he did not throw the ball away. Now he's got this talent in the backfield. And he's got this talent at the tight end. And I think they can do something with that. Ritter got I think a ton it of makes speed. him an interesting player in this format, the 20th round, when when people are taking Mike White and Trey Lance. Who, Very you know, surprised he didn't get drafted. And 20 rounds draft. There's a starting quarterback in the NFL with a lot of players that are drafted in the first few rounds. Uh, well, two at least. And the, you know, what gives? I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. I'm counting it up right now, guys. In this draft tonight, we had, count them up, eight teams take three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. 32 quarterbacks were drafted in all, and the starting quarterback in Atlanta was not one of them. Mm-hmm. Ritter crushes it. Um, you know, these teams can can look back and, man, I should have should have drafted Ritter. And he probably won't crush it this year, but he definitely could have some weeks where it might be a difference maker. He's definitely a better pick than Trey Lance is right now. Um, definitely be a better pick than Mike White on that team with yeah. and, and you know Daniel Jones right now. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Terp, um, final question for you tonight. You said that the best team, I think halfway through, was the back-to-back main event champs, Go Bills, Marv Levy, Sean Stutzman, Nick Costantino from the five spot. Are you still sticking with them as the team to beat in this league from the five hole? Team to beat, team five, very close second, team 12. Farrell, what about you? Which which teams stand out? I know you don't have the whole draft board in front of you. Um, Terp likes um, Team 5, the, the main event champs, back-to-back main event champs. He also likes Sean Siegel and Ben Gretsch's team from the 12 hole. Anybody else stand out to you tonight? Williamson's going to win it. He'll be generally discouraged. There's not a trophy for the league. <laughs> we'll have to make one for him. Uh, gentlemen, it is a pleasure. We have three of these in. Um, so I, I really thank you for hanging out with me tonight. Always like talking shop with you guys. I know the viewers liked it too. Um, so coming up Sunday night, Terp, I know you won't be available. You're going to join us on Monday. Farrell, you'll be on board on Sunday. Plus, we got another show to do on this Friday night. So I look forward to that as well. Terp, uh, we follow you on Twitter at Dave Terp. Farrell, we check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Register for those leagues at KFFSC.com. Oh, please so much, do. Please. Absolutely. And and compete against me. And maybe 5% chance of Turp being in Louisville this year as well. Less Good than rise zero. as we get close to the, last, the end of the shows. You never know. <laughs> Less than zero. People <laughs> love Turp in Kentucky. 5% and, and, is better than one. You called me last week and I said 0%. Yeah. It's 5%. And, and right you now. know, and Turp, you know, Louisville, Kentucky is your adopted hometown. And it's also the hometown of Desmond Ritter. So it's just another ring. Now we're down to 3%. That's oh, my ring. goodness. You know, you, you just, just hurt yourself. not easily yeah. swayed. If you would have sold me can, on a Louisville, Kentucky, like on a basketball game or something, maybe. But you, you Desmond Ritter is not going to get me to come. 
you just can't figure out how the wind blows with Terp. He's a hard. You're 100 percent accurate he, there. He's a beauty. That Terp's a beauty. That summer sure. breeze will be a blowing once again on Monday night when Terp joins us at uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Farrell, I will see you Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. Yeah. Dave Terpoli, Farrell Elliott from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com. Uh, what a great contribution from those guys tonight. What a great contribution we got from our drafters. I want to thank Sean Stutzman, Nick Costantino, uh, Sean Green, and Shane Hallam for hopping aboard the broadcast tonight. So much fun uh, talking shop. We're halfway done with the pros versus Joes, but you are not halfway done with drafting. Let me tell you a little bit about the FFPC main event. Remember, while all these drafters are competing for a 2024 FFPC main event entry, you can still enter the 2023 FFPC main event right now at myffpc.com. Go there, myffpc.com. Register your teams for a $1 million grand prize. Uh, keep in mind that if you do sign up for additional teams, you're going to get $400 off each one of those teams. If you want to play in the Fantasy Pros Championship, we encourage that kind of behavior as well. A $1 million grand prize in that contest, that is just $350 to enter. $50 off your third team, you get a $50 discount when you buy a three-pack. So make sure you're checking that out. A couple of best ball tournaments there as well. Dynasty startups going hot and heavy there as well right now. Plenty of slow, live, sit-and-go best ball options all at myffpc.com. I uh, want to remind you that we will be talking with a couple of guys on Friday night on these on this channel, um, Jeff and Al Eidelman. They drafted from, I believe, the five spot last night. Could have been the four. I can't remember now. But they're going to be our guests on the High Stakes Fantasy Football or Friday night, 10-9 Central, FFPC YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, check out the FFPC YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time when I go live with another great guest on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network. You can also watch that at BetterNetworkBetterSports.com as well. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Again, we'll be live on Thursday and Friday, but if you're looking for live draft action coverage, we'll be live once again at 7 p.m. on Sunday night for Pros versus Joe's number four. It's the Arrow House draft. The Joe's include a longtime and very successful FFPC player, Danny Miller, also Tyler Holder is going to be drafting, Jason Barr and Joe Jackson, Gary Kerr, a former guest of the show, he's going to be uh, drafting that night, Gary Knight and uh, Brian Covert, all the uh, FFPC Joes in that draft. Making up the pros on Sunday night will be John Paulson from 4 for 4, Doug Orth from uh, fftoday.com, Mauricio Gutierrez from estadiofantasy.com, Curtis Patrick and Ryan McDowell from Rotoviz and Dynasty League Football, respectively, Dan Williamson, Theo Greminger, and John Daniel from the GOAT District, the defending champs of the Pros versus Joes competition. They're drafting, uh, as well as Jim Coventry from RotoWire. That is all Sunday night at 7 6 Central. Hopefully, you'll uh, stop in and see us on Thursday and Friday night. If not, no big deal. We'll see you Sunday night. We really appreciate you watching, everybody. Thanks so much. Your week continues right now. <laughs>this has been another episode of the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com it was broadcast live and was watched around the world bulky and farrell will be back next week with more analysis more interviews and more advice from guests much smarter than they are thanks for watching and we'll talk with you again next week I did not anticipate this uh, draft going as late as it did, but thank goodness because I know the rest of you are all watching this. You're waiting to sign up for the Midnight Fantasy Pros Championship. It's been delayed because we need one more team. We need one hero to sign up. Maybe you win the million bucks tonight when you go to myffpc.com. 
register for league number 53718. It has been delayed. It is waiting you, awaiting you right now. Draft tonight. Uh, I'll be commissioning that draft, and maybe you can walk away with a million dollars. You just never know. MyFFPC.com. We'll see you Thursday night or perhaps Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for watching. We appreciate you. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.